If it really is. No, we should do research on that in the next The problem is we don't minute have and a half. Minute and a half. Data. Yeah, we do. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. Not enough for the human being, but we have enough for AI predictive models and all all that. If we can Well, the problem with taking short samples and extrapolating them over longer periods of time is they tend to be wrong. It's still better it's than not. nothing. Uh, when it comes to this, what, you, what's the what's the what do we lose by being wrong predictively when it comes to climate change? What do we lose? It's not like we're going to build new houses and move people from New Orleans inland. We're just talking about like making small changes. Like what? Well, immediately, <clears throat> I would like to see. I'm yeah. an advocate for seeing more research on the effects of. See, the problem is you can't quantify that. Yeah, you can. How? You can research. Well, if you'd been doing it for the last five to six years, you could see. But even then, that's see five, six years, way too short. Okay. Well, 10 years, they figured out that kids. Way too short. Well, they figured out that kids in heavily polluted cities have uh, a much higher likelihood of developing asthmatic um, tendencies and symptoms and conditions. So, I mean, that's one thing that they have been doing so the places where there are large groups of people together produce more people who have asthma that I, to, to me i don't yeah because of the co2 the compact co2 just well, look in bangladesh there's a lot of there's a high rate of asthma in kids in bangladesh because the population density is i mean you're basically living next to 400 people Right, but <laughs> you're sleeping. You're sleeping next to 300 sweaty people every night in Bangladesh. <laughs> you're so terrible. What? That's just the vision. That's the picture that I see. The population density over there is horrendous. It's like at what point do you look around and say, "Hey, maybe we should stop fucking." I don't know, <laughs> but that's a good point. <laughs> like seriously, why didn't they do this? It it can't be a happy life. I I'm not happy when it takes me an hour and a half to get 30 minutes away. These people, it must take them three weeks to go get milk at the corner because you have to sift through oceans of people. True. And nobody ever looked around saying, this is getting out of hand, honey. We need to stop having intercourse. <laughs> a little the bit heart of... heart wants what the heart wants. No, that, these people weren't thinking with their hearts. <clears throat> sure they were. In Bangladesh and, and India, come on. No, this is, I don't, I don't get it. It's such a weird number, too. It's like 40% of the population is in that, of the world, is in that, like, southeastern Asian quadrant of India, China, yeah. Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. Is that all, were all of Genghis Khan's kids, like, concentrated in that area, and they just got bloodline passed down from dad who wanted to sleep with everybody? And then it's in their DNA to sleep around and have as many kids as possible. I think that's just human species trying to survive. You have that ingrained in you that the, you know, reproduction's important. Yeah, it's important. I mean, I think but once our population you get it done. is starting to you know, our birth rate or whatever is starting to decline. Oh yeah. In the US. Weird that we, we come full circle on episode eighty three from where we were at episode one. We're like, hey, if we don't get this under control, the population will start declining here in the U.S. And then 83 weeks later, give or take, you know, 10 to 15, 
population decline is is real. Nothing wrong with that either. No, it probably needs to happen. Yeah, so that future generations don't develop asthma just by living in a city. I'd like for that. That'd be great if my grandkids don't have a higher likelihood of developing sickness and illness because there's been so many mouth breathers throughout the years. Well, there are a ton of mouth breathers. Mouth breathing is on the increase, by the way. I know. Because it's remedial. Yeah, I don't know what the gene is that makes you a mouth breather versus a nose breather. But Nose breathing requires a little bit of focus and skill. No. Oh, yeah. It comes naturally. I know, but natural living requires skill. Okay. Yeah, anyways. That was the zen moment of the, <laughs> the opening here. Uh, what were we talking about before the little population decline thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, what I'd like to see out of climate change, like, um, shifts immediately. Immediately, I would like the correlations to be drawn between, like, a severe shift in allergic reaction based on the uh, climate differences over the last 10 years. Now, I can be the guinea pig here and say that, yeah, over the last four or five years, I've developed a knack where my sinuses give me a left side headache when there's rain in the forecast. That's me waking up. I don't watch the news. I don't read the newspaper. I don't look at my phone for weather forecasts. I wake up, and if I have like some, some sinus clogging in my left sinus, I know that either by some wacky um, course of events, I got an infection, which I don't, or it's going to rain. Because then the next day after it rains, it's gone. So rain never made me feel that way. Humidity well, it, never made me feel that way. It might not be the rain or the humidity. There may be something that, that you know, pushes out spores or something in those cases. Mold, ragweed, some tree. Perhaps. My theory is that it's something new within that weather pattern that wasn't around five to six years ago. Because I... I don't you're know. You're experiencing new allergies. You I've never been have. allergic to anything. I think as I've you get older, allergies. you start to become allergic to things. Okay. Like, I've got a severe allergy to poison ivy, for example. Yeah. You didn't have that as a kid? I thought everybody no. was allergic to poison ivy. Mm -mm. I don't know anybody who can rub poison ivy all over themselves and not develop a rash. My wife. Really? Yes. <laughs> she would have to have a ton of poison ivy, the oil on her to, to develop any sort of Interesting. Rash. Maybe you do develop allergies later into your years. I don't know that this is an allergy. Again, it's there t very temporarily. It's there for the time that the rain comes in, before the front comes in, essentially, before the rain starts falling. And then as soon as it starts raining, it's gone. I've been keeping yeah, track of this over the last six or whatever, seven months. Gets knocked down by the rain, perhaps. What do you think about uh, mood being affected by the weather? Well, I think Seattle proves that out, right? With the depression, yeah, and all that? not seeing the sun has an impact on you. Now, hot or cold, I don't know necessarily, but I would imagine. I don't know. 
So then if weather becomes more extreme over the course of the next 10 to 20 years, if we start getting more violent weather, does that impact the human psyche directly? To where if we have tornado outbreaks like just beyond measure and it's like a weekly occurrence in 10 years that you're just going to get like a, an EF4 and EF5 tornado. So here's the problem with that, right? <clears throat> if you take a population map, from today, and you compare it to a population map from 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it's quite different. So the same storm that blew through recently has all these huge numbers and affects a ton of people, but it's because it hit a populated area. If this same storm with the same intensity, it's an unpopulated area, no one notices. No one, or they go, ooh. Well, that was kind of cool. Well, you're partially right, but you're partially wrong. I am right. I'm well, not wrong at all. Oh, you're here. partially right. You're 77% accurate. The part that you're omitting is that this is the longest tracking storm um, Again, of this size. But this, that well, has nothing to do with population. Well, sure it does, because I, I, how many of them get tracked that don't hit a populated but area? But this went 250 miles. It For 249 of them, it was tracking over unpopulated areas. It was the one, the one to two mile Mayfield area of which it did most of its uh, financial and life taking damage. Otherwise, this storm would have killed. Which is why you track it, right? But right? this storm would have killed ten thousand people if it was an EF four from mile one to mile two hundred and fifty. It it didn't. Um, well, let me let me give you an example yeah. here. I watch a show called What on Earth, and what mm -hmm. that show is, it's on the History Channel. It's probably on that whole group of History Channel, Discovery Channel, whatever. And it's satellite images that they'll look at and go, what on earth is this, right? And so it's this thing in the state of Minnesota, and it's like through the middle of this forest, it's like a 10 or 12 mile long strip where there is no forest at all. And they had to research it to come up with, it was a tornado that hit and ripped through this thing for 12 straight miles, destroying every tree. But the thing was... It wasn't like this information was just like right there at your fingertips. Oh, yeah, that was a tornado. They had to go look and research and compare weather patterns. So I don't know that they track every tornado that hits the ground, especially in a remote area, and track how long was it on the ground, how much damage does it do. I don't think they do that. Oh, in, in this day and age? Yeah, they absolutely they don't. 100% this, do. this is this day and age. My friend, this isn't an ancient thing. This is something in the in out this current century. Oh, Nowadays, they, I mean, the, the radar will indicate when you have a tornado Well, it on the tells ground. you when it twists, but it does not tell you 100% there's a tornado on the ground. Oh, well. And it sure can't track how long that ground, that tornado's on the ground. My brother James is going to want to be on our very next episode because <clears> there are, there's debris, um, there's debris, what's it called, patterns? He's going to hate me for not remembering this. Yeah, I, there's, I a, this there's a thing that will track debris patterns right. in Dallas-Fort Worth. Oh, no, no. But not in Bismarck, North Dakota. Yeah, but the storms are being tracked constantly by Doppler radar that's just going but Doppler around radar, circle. Doppler does not pick up debris. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. It's a special radar that picks up the debris. Oh, Doppler picks up debris patterns. It does not. Well. <laughs> and again, there's awesome Doppler radar in Dallas-Fort Worth. How awesome is the Doppler radar in in middle of nowhere in Farmville, Kansas? What I'm telling you is there's that they only track these things and we only have statistics 
on these things when they hit populated areas and they're around areas that have the technology to track them. If there's major tornado outbreak outbreak in the middle of nowhere, it's unreported. Number one, huh? no one gives a shit. About I feel like I'm in. <laughs> I feel like I'm in another dimension right now. This is inaccurate. Oh, it's absolutely 100% <laughs> accurate. Huh? No. Maybe if it's like an you, EF zero. You think? You think that we track every single tornado that touches ground in the United States? No. Like I said, uh, I was just about to say, if it's an EF zero or something that touches yeah, but, down, but, goes back up in the air, how absolutely. How do they do the scale? Uh, the Fujita scale is based on damage that's done. Right. So if it's happening in the middle of nowhere and there is no damage, it could be blowing 500 mile an hour yeah, winds. No, because and then, then you and see. Then it's a what? Well, then you see that on the radar. No, they don't. Oh, yeah, you do. No, the, they don't. The hook. The, the hook They can echoes. see a hook, but they don't know if it's on the ground and they sure don't know wind speeds or anything of that nature. Yes, you do. They do in Dallas, Fort Worth, but they don't in the middle of nowhere, Sasha. They don't have all these radars set up all across the United States to track every little freaking wind. 15, blow. 20 years ago, I agree with you. In 2021, in 2021, they do not. That stuff costs money. Are you kidding me? 150% they have radars in Lincoln, Nebraska. Sure, in Lincoln. But get in Wyoming. Miles, I bet they don't. In the middle of Wyoming, nowhere. Does, Wyoming, I don't even think, has a million people population-wise. It's not like that state has a bunch of money to spend. All right. If you look at like current U.S. weather, if you look at uh, AccuWeather, I think is uh, a, a big one that a lot of people use. If you just use AccuWeather, you can see all the storms across the United States that are happening. A right satellite, now. right? Um, but on, again, it's not going to tell you if a tornado hit the ground. It's not going to tell you how any. It's not going to give you good data about the tornado. Right, but you. But the tornado warnings are are based on those radars. So if there's, it's not like if you live in the middle of nowhere, ha, oh, honey, if there's a tornado warning, we're not going to hear about it. Tornado warnings like occur because well, we're not talking about a warning. We're talking about an actual tornado touching ground, being tracked, no matter where it's but at. These are precursors. But these are precursors to tornadoes touching down. There has to be significant like radar development of a storm to signify that it's going to create a tornado. Well, yeah, they know what the elements are that create a tornado, but that doesn't help you in telling you how many tornadoes, how big the tornado is. Like they are still trying to put, you're probably right when it comes to EF zero to like low ranking tornadoes, but anything beyond if something can rip a fence apart or, or even a, a small, um, if it could take a roof off a single house in the middle of nowhere, it's tracked, it's reported, it's recorded, it counts. It's not. A hundred percent. If it's, it's a not. dust devil down the street and it goes down and up, maybe I agree with you. But if it's an EF2 or higher, anywhere in the United States, it's recorded. It's, that tornado in Minnesota was not recorded. Huh? The one in the That in the ripped forest? like a 12 or 15 mile strip through the forest was not recorded. Well, <laughs> yeah. What's convincing you that it wasn't? Because of all the research they had to do to figure out what that was. If that was in recorded. 1995? Re when was this? 2010, 2012, 2015. I mean, this is a new show. They're not doing a whole bunch of old stuff. Minnesota, like, forest tornado, if I type this in. Oh, I have no I idea what the Google search is going to be. This just sounds preposterous to me. I think it sounds preposterous to think that everything's <laughs> recorded everywhere. 
Yeah. When That's it comes to extreme weather. Yeah, no, there's no way. Huh. Not registering. It's, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Like low ranking, yes, but damn it. And how does this relate to the, because I'm trying to say that a 200-mile track. I'm EF5. telling you if the same storm hits and it hits an unpopulated area, it's not even freaking news. But it's the same storm with the same intensity. But it, it does but no it's damage. A top, it's, not, it's a top 10 ranking longest because, track tornado again, on the ground, period. I think it's the longest. Um, one of It's ranked top 10 from what I'm seeing here. But I'm telling you, it hits an unpopulated area and no one knows. No one cares. The likelihood of it hitting an unpopulated area and being a top 10 longest gets less, tracking gets less is and less. Well, it gets less and less every year. Because Mayfield is not a populated area. It was a town of like, 40,000. It's as if Seagoville got hit by... Yes, that's uh, populated. 40,000 people is a lot of people. Gerald, Texas got obliterated by an F5, and that was a big deal. Gerald, Texas is population 1,200, we're talking about. Everybody remembers the Gerald, Texas uh, I tornado. I there. have no idea what you're talking about with Gerald, <laughs> Texas. I really don't. Well, I'm a weather buff, so maybe okay. All right. Perhaps. Are you talking about Wichita Falls? No. Gerald, Texas. This was a uh, boy... Early 2000s, I want to say. The Gerald Tornado. Gerald's like a top 35, I want to say. 1997. Dang. How do I remember this and you don't? North, uh, it's 40 miles north northeast of Austin, Texas. It was um, 20 deaths. EF5. Yeah. It was a big tornado. Went across 35. The big dog. But it wasn't. So that's going to be populated areas. But Gerald, Texas is not a populated area. It's just. Well, in order for it to be an EF5, it had to do a bunch of damage to populated areas. That's that's kind of sort of if the if the tornado is a wedge tornado and has a track uh, or has a, uh, a radius of over a mile, it's like an EF5, even if it does no damage, if it's in a field. Are you uh, sure? Yeah, it's based on the the radius of the actual wedge as well. So, um, outskirts of General Texas, three quarters of a mile path, and it's also going to be and it's tracked did seven miles. See it like so. You're talking about some major event that happened between two major cities in a state that has a lot of tornadoes and a lot of people chasing every storm. Yeah. Yeah, th- those are going to get noticed. Oh yeah, no, I'm none of my uh, none of my statements so far are related to like the intensity of tornadoes getting stronger. Even though I think really it's more about wind speed. But I mean, I, I'm just if it's in an unpopulated area, I don't know if there's a way to confirm wind speeds. If there's not some storm chaser chasing the storm and around it, I really don't know that you can record everything. Well, you don't need to, then. We don't care about those. <laughs> okay. But then if you're, okay, so if you don't care about those, mm-hmm. then how do you know their storms are becoming more and more intense? Okay. That's what I'm saying. Is like, there's, there's this section, it feels like, that's not being counted, that's not being considered. And and so we're just jumping to a conclusion without truly taking in all the data. Not really. 
Not really. Because if you've lived, if if you're only 35 years old and you've seen tornado outbreaks reach more heavily populated areas than before. And population grows and houses grow and everything grows every single year. You're, you're going to naturally see more every year because we grow every year and it doesn't have anything to do with the intensity increasing. What's the downside of suggesting, like, what do we, you know, there'll be an EF six tornado at some point. And, and when there is one, it's not like you can, like, if, if we have a tornado that breaks all wind speed records, then what's the, what's the rebuttal? It's like, well, this was inevitable. Like there's, there's like a, a list of pre-built, not, not from you specifically, but from like the opposition to saying that weather's being affected and intensifying and becoming more extreme over the course of our lifetimes. If we get to like an EF6 ranked tornado where wind speeds are 350 miles an hour and the damage is just unfathomable because we've never seen it before what's in the denial bank i'm asking for a preview i guess like what what's the response this was inevitable right is that the response like well this is nature for how many thousands of years was north america populated right and there would have been violent storms during then like here's what i'm saying it's like you're getting a glimpse at maybe the last hundred years of data. Mm-hmm. Maybe Which is the important. Maybe it's 120 years. It's not the important. It's our lifetime, time, right? It's the most populated there has ever been. But you're assuming that nothing ever happened before this. We're we're making this very arrogant assumption that nothing. It's inconsequential. Oh, it's absolutely consequential. No. We're not really. T- it, it absolutely is. The population was three and a half billion people less than 200 years ago. And now it's 7 billion. We've doubled in 250 years. All we should care about is what we're doing to the weather now. I don't give a shit if there was an F7 in the year 40. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't you, impact me now. To, to take a look at this from a really logical, analytical, you have to care about that stuff. You mean from the, from the like protocol angle? Well, if you're so arrogant to ignore everything and say only this, these years count because this is our lifetime and, and this is when the population exploded and it's only this. But that's the point. You of- risk missing what the actual cause is. You miss, you're, you're risking, because you're making a ton of assumptions starting up here, you are really risking missing the point. And that's very dangerous in my opinion. That's more dangerous than just taking your time, slowing back, and trying to take into consideration everything. If you're in an elevator by yourself, and all of a sudden, 12 people cram the elevator with you, it gets hotter, it gets more humid. So if we go from, uh, strange analogy, but if we go from cities where the population was, a million people lived in Dallas 100 years ago, and now what are we at? The problem months? is, is like an elevator is an, is a clo- enclosed space with mm-hmm. no air circulation. Mm-hmm. That's not the world. But cities create that sort of, have you heard of the greenhouse effect? That's the point. The greenhouse effect is insinuating that overpopulation contributes to these 
humid trap zones that change and modify everything about the natural flow and weather patterns that existed before humans shifted it in a different direction due to overpopulation. That's the point. If we go from... Well, then, okay, if that's the point, shouldn't we be seeing this impact in China like 50 years ahead of what it would impact us? We, yes and no, because their weather, yes pa- no? Well, their weather patterns are different. Cold fronts don't come in. There's no water. There's no body of water sweeping down. It's not the Arctic. It's not the yes, Atlantic. It, it, we live on a globe, bro. Yes. All their cold <laughs> fronts come from the freaking Arctic. Right, and they push cold air. Um, the, the, the warm, there's not... There's no conflux of warm and cold air in China like there is here in the United States. Why would you say that? Because we're in the middle of... That is a warm okay. current that there, comes up the Pacific, Pacific coast mm-hmm. of the Asian continent. There's no tornadic activity in China. Because there's no humid air from an equator-based body of water Are you uh, pushing up. Are you kidding me? There's no tornado. No, there's no tornadoes in England because of this. There's there no, no tornadoes, tornadoes in Africa well, because of this. England's an island and a very small island in a colder area. I'm just so using be a little as, bit. I'm just using them as an example. There's no. There's no large tornadic. The U.S. gets hit by more tornadoes than anywhere because we're in the middle of three oceans. Like we essentially, well, two and a half. I'm counting the Gulf of Mexico as like a a, a propeller for moisture when it's really the so what's the south china sea then <laughs> seriously south china sea oh so it's not warm in the south china sea it's not a bunch of extra moisture here let, let's just look at the the tornadoes by country tornado climatology uh, i don't have time for this and bangladesh <laughs> of course bangladesh and india are prone to it because they've Got millions of people sleeping next to each other. <laughs> it is population density based, apparently. Uh, Bangladesh I mean, and eastern parts of India are very exposed to destructive tornadoes, causing higher deaths and injuries than anywhere else in Asia. That's fascinating. I, mean, I, I agree with you that China um, occasionally that, experiences that the, tornadoes. That America probably, well, I'm sure we have the most, just based on geography. But, yeah, but that's that's all it is is based on geography. And I mean, the seasons, the length of the seasons, this, the length of the climate mixture that creates the highest likelihood is, I guess, what I'm going with. And the mixture of, you know, wintertime leading into spring and that, like, I don't know of any other country that has that February, March, April, May zone of where We're we get tornado outbreaks. Maybe. That's just off my rudimentary knowledge of it that's been picked up over the course of 25 years i'm no expert i really am not but i'm about as close to an expert without so then then china's to blame for our weather (laughs) how how'd you draw that one up well they're pop overpopulating they're over polluting um could be argued well if we're going by people cause all this stuff then yes yeah people do cause a lot of this stuff and that's okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not anti-people because of it. <laughs> I am anti-do-nothing-about-it because it's not like people are doing anything better. I guess that's the thing. Well, what I'm against is the fear-mongering. Yes. I, like, I'm against the f- head of FEMA 
going, oh yeah, this is because of global warming. <laughs> okay. If we're going to place blame on this, this is because of global warming. Who can I sue to get reimbursed? Did the head of FEMA say that? Absolutely. Really? Yes. Well, so did the president of the United States. No, actually, he told them, we don't know if it's global warming. Oh, really? I, I read something on Twitter from his Twitter handle that he said it was because of this, like, at first. Are you um, sure? <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty sure when the head of FEMA came out, he, he played the uh, not-so-fast. No, this this tornado is not an isolated event. It is interesting that it's the longest tracking, top 10 longest tracking tornadoes of that size and that intensity. I mean, that was inevitable. What I'm waiting for is that that EF6. If there's an EF6, well, it's like... Well, if, the enhanced Fujita is just 200 plus miles an hour. It's F5. There's no going to be... And there'll be a Cat 6 hurricane too. Just a matter of time. Cat 6 hurricane. Okay. Biden walks a careful line on climate change after tornado. <laughs> why is this so, like, uh, why is this such a risque topic politically? It, what does it change if we say, if we're all on board and we say, yeah, we need to do something? I'm, I'm right there with you. What does it change that every time a weather event happens, you go, oh, global warming? What does it change? Yeah, but it's here's the, what it changes it's, it makes it political. One, it makes the weather political. Should the weather be political? No. Well, I'm right there with you. Why do we have to place blame on on Mother Nature? Mother Nature just happens. But the opposite is okay. So, but why does it have? To, why does blame have to be placed? No, no, no blame. I, it, I, I absolutely get it. it is. But this is because of global warming. That is blame. We're laying the the blame of these storms at the feet feet of global warming. But global warming isn't even like a. It's it's not a. It's not a cause. It's a bunch of of. Oh, it's global a warming is an effect. No, it's a cause. No, global warming is the effect. Eh, the it's causes. A, it's as much a cause as it is an effect. The causes are what I'm more concerned with, and what do need tackling. And this isn't fear mongering driven, but it's like if you don't do anything about it, then the causes of the effect just continue, and there's no, there's no reason for them to continue. There's no reason for us to look at the landfills in the United States of America and say, yeah, we can, we can throw another two metric tons per landfill into these places or, or two metric tons of garbage into these places. And it's not, yeah, we can let the factories pump out more CO2 twice as not going to take effect. If you have evidence that there is even the slightest effect when it comes to Take the weather out of it. The effect on human beings breathing from higher polluted air, then why not do something about it? Like, what's the negative? You can remove making it political and just say, let's do something about this because we've seen a 100% increase in kids getting asthma in populated cities over the last 10 years compared to the last 50. Why, why else would that well, be happening? Nothing. Asthma's a breathing thing. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, I know. But the the problem is as soon as you address the topic there, then it becomes political. It's not it's not the people that want to address climate change that are making it political. It's the politicians making it political. Well, they but it didn't start off that way. Right? I know, cuz they hijack every talking point yeah. from the American people and try to take but, it as theirs. 
But it's how they keep started, their... But people started thinking that way, and then they catch on to the way people are thinking. I know, because people are indoctrinated into a political system in this country of tribalism and picking sides. I don't know that that's tribalism. Picking though. sides? Picking a side is not tribal. Modern tribalism is picking sides. No, it's not. Nobody's... Well, I was about to say nobody's picking up a pitchfork, but post Charlottesville, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> so uh, Charlottesville happened like three or four years ago, and they actually had pitchforks <laughs> and they were walking down the street. Um, nobody, we're not physically at civil war with one another. It's all just rhetoric back and forth. It's it's a verbal war, psychological but, to some but degree. But taking one side of an argument versus another side of an argument is not tribal. What leads you to think that it's not? Why why wouldn't that be tribal? <clears throat> what, pick, tribalism exists forever and in all times. Why? Because one side thinks they're right and they think the other side's wrong. How is that even possible and tangible in this universe? For one, for one side of a human being or one affiliation to think, I've got it figured out, and the other side is just completely wrong. The entire political system in this country is built off that principle. Okay, if, if you go, Republicans say this, so I believe this, that's tribalism. But to be, for an individual to be on one, take one side of an argument versus another side of an argument based on the, the, the argument itself, is not tribal. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. Remember when we wanted to do a definition show? No. You don't remember that? When you yeah. wanted a word uh, <laughs> a week, and you wanted us to like say what we thought the word meant and like properly define it and talk about it? I love that idea. The behavior and attitudes that stem from strong loyalty to one's own tribe or social group. That's tribalism. You don't think that the American political system is operating basically under a moniker of, or under an alter ego of just tribalistic one side versus the other? Democrats. It's every people? government, every on every country and everywhere. Then, what's so wrong with like a dictatorship? But, but I don't, <laughs> what's so wrong? With because that? that's still a form of tribalism. You, the dictator just is the tribe that's in charge. What if reality is the dictator? Which, t which, when you have a dictator and you have one tribe in charge, we know that that leads to atrocity, right? No. In, really? If it's a human, yes, if it's a human being. But w what if the reality of things is the dictator? Because it really is at the end of the day. It doesn't, I don't care what a, the reality of things is a dictator. I don't care what a Republican's opinion is on something versus a Democrat's opinion. I really don't. When I see an issue like gun control, I don't. Say, oh, what do the Republicans think about yeah, this mass shooting? I what do the you, Democrats think about this shooting? Well, I don't know. I, I bet you there's a larger proportion that are, are in the same boat. But they still have opinions on it. Yes, and it's okay to have an opinion on it. And it doesn't make you tribal. But, but their opinion... Unless you're going down the, the party line, then you're not... It's not being tribal. But if their opinion matches what the Democratic angle or approach is to that then same Then that makes topic, it tribal? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. That's not how I see tribalism. Really? Because if either side was correct and aligned with like the solution, then they should get right of way. We sh we shouldn't we shouldn't care so much about our political system here to say, "Oh, each we have to go to Congress 
to vote on something just in case these guys are wrong. Like if they're right and we can admit as people of this country, not as not as a political establishment in D.C., but as people, if you and me can sit back and say, oh, the Democrats are right about this and we can multiply that conversation times a million because other Americans say, yeah, they're they're right about this and they're quiet. If A.I. picks up on it and says, yeah, you, you know what? They got this one right. That's it. That's all it should take. It shouldn't take a bunch of stooges who are all one big quiet in cahoots group to make the decision for us. This is how you get to a modular government where, and this is where AI kicks in, I guess. This is where things start happening at a more fervent pace. If AI can pick up on how the American people actually feel about something rather than a bunch of hypocrites telling us what they think the American people want and what they each tribalistically are trying to achieve on one side of the aisle versus the other, AI can override all that and say, hey, we've got all these conversations from every American household. We know exactly what 98% of Americans think about climate change or about gun control or about uh, abortion. Yeah, the problem is, is that's not, that's not really a good, true way of, AI cannot get that information at this point in time. But AI can determine what the most popular kid's toy is. Yeah, through purchasing, which a human could figure that out too. But that's all influenced. It's not like the kid woke up one morning and said, and it popped up in his head that, oh, I want um, a Razor scooter this year because I've never heard of a Razor scooter. I don't know what a Razor scooter is, but I woke up and I dreamt of a Razor scooter. No, it's because the thing was positioned in front of the kid to influence him to say, this is going to be the hot toy for you this year. It was a Razor scooter. And then through word of mouth or through advanced propaganda means, the Razor scooter becomes the most popular toy during Christmas. It's not out of thin air. It's all calculatable. Conversations and opinions. So something like an, an item like that is far different than an opinion. Why? Because people aren't, don't, they aren't themselves online. How it, on, they, online, take, take right. online. I'm not. I'm well, just saying spying in people's homes, listening to our conversations. We we've talked about this a million times. Yeah, AI is not pulling crap off your phone, your microphone off your phone. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. How can you reverse course on this? You it's had not, It's not. It's not seeking your political opinion on this. It's looking for a way to advertise to you. I know. Not a way to act, to pull all that. And even if it could, do you it know could. how hard that would be to write? That'd be extremely hard to write. Huh? It's just keywords. If keywords can be taken out of context very quickly. Okay. If let's say a hundred households right now are having a conversation on abortion and their cell phones are within uh, mic listening and their laptops are within mic listening and Alexa's within mic listening and the conversations are being had on abortion. Uh, look at that. Stop saying her name. Doesn't matter if I say her name. Call her bitch bot. <laughs> no, don't do that. Why? Because then the toaster will stop working. Oh, okay. It's a smart toaster. <laughs> Anyways. It's online? No, our toaster is not. I don't have any smart items. After our second episode, I'm like, nope, I ain't doing. That was the 5G episode. Um, so 100 households are having an intense conversation on the topic of abortion. 
the AI can... The problem is, it's not going to be able to differentiate between people, right? Uh, it doesn't matter. If, if, if it's just an, treat if it like a, a research study. So if it's it. a, well, if it's an argument and people are going back and forth about it, what is AI pulling from it? Inflection. Conviction. Um, the well, hit- sir, if they're both with equal... Conv- equal conviction, okay. equal inflection. What does AI truly pull about it? Let's get nitty gritty with it. If you and I are having a conversation and we're on opposing views, you're, uh, you're, let's say I'm pro-life or you're pro-life and I'm pro-abortion. <laughs> Is that, what are the two sides of, of the coin here? <laughs> I don't know. Anti-life. What's the other side to pro-life? <laughs> Choice, sir. Pro Pro choice. choice. Oh, okay. See, this is how removed I am from the the modern day conversation. Okay. <laughs> Pro choice. They just... <laughs> Pro abortion is what it's called. Mm-mm. No, you can't say that. That's not politically correct. No, because I don't think anybody's for abort. I really don't think anybody's for abortion. They're for the choice. But if you're pro choice, <laughs> you're for, for the, the choice. But you're for the abortion. You're just for it being legal. Okay. If it's a if it's a big chart and pro choice is at the top of the chart on the right side, then soon after that going down is abortion. <laughs> like on the other side of the chart, if you're pro life, abortion doesn't show up. If it's easier for you to be okay. abortion, not abortion, okay. then, then then do I it. I didn't know it, it. It left it. I blanked. It's okay. <laughs> pro life. Versus pro-choice. Yes. The AI can pull up psych profiles. Um, not psych profiles. Uh, <laughs> it, it could pull up historical profiles on both of us to see where yeah, the, the we actually stand is, on the topic based I don't on know social that, media posts. Yeah, but I don't know that it would know how to identify us. Huh? I told you three weeks ago that my Alexa asked me for my name because it was used to the person. It knows my ex-wife's first name. It knows my daughter's name because those two speak to it. Because they programmed it to recognize their voices. That's 98% of the Alexas that are out there right now know their owner's voice because the owner goes in and programs it. Yeah, to- but almost no one has Alexas. <laughs> Do you you're, want- you're, like yours, yours and your grandparents? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. Your we're, parents are houses. isolated. Well, you're the only, the two, only two people I'm aware on of the that, planet that have Alexa. Well, no, I'm just saying, of all the people I know, and let's say I know 20 families that have homes. Only two have an Alexa. <sighs> According to reports, there are 40 million Alexa users in the United States alone. That's one eighth of American population. One out of every eight, so two person household. One of a one out of every four households, just well, by the rough stats. I find that well, they may have sold 40 million Alexas, but there are not 40 million active Alexas. Okay, it's not just Alexa. It's Google on your phone. It's all of this. They're, okay, whatever. Okay, anyway, just go. Just ride with, ride with my ride breakdown. Ride your fantasy breakdown. This isn't a Let's fantasy go. breakdown. Yes, this is reality. Yeah, go ahead. And this is a cool reality because it's working for us. And that's the point. In order for us to synthesize with the benefits of what artificial intelligence can do rather than our primitive approach to it so far which is hey let's turn these things into money making bots so we can make more money that'll result in a bunch of great things that we haven't thought of yet right no not so much money doesn't do that (laughs) money caps out um there's only so much you can do with it we've seen it all so in order to actually 
bring about some revolutionary style improvements to this whole show. Not meandering, the, the show of life. What you have to do is synthesize with artificial intelligence to the point where you're a little vulnerable. People weren't willing to do that last decade because of privacy and all of the all of the big faux pas in America regarding privacy. Um, at that time, having a robot in your house that was listening to your every word was intrusive because your conversations at home were yours to have and they were private <laughs> and they were they were riveting i'm sure um, not you specifically um, but you know i'm sure the american <laughs> what was the big deal with like what's the big deal with americans and privacy this would be part of my comedy routine <clears throat> like what the hell are you talking about that you're so private about that you feel is needs to be kept that way well Every intimate conversation I have with my wife should be 100% private and no one else's business. Well, that's fine because you're whispering in her ear, hopefully. You're not. Nobody. We can, we can have an intimate conversation across the room. Why can you not do that? I don't know that that's possible. Oh, well, yeah, that's possible. But you can have an intimate conversation across the room without opening your mouth. Probably. Exactly. And that's private. You can keep it private. But I've never in my lifetime, I'm a pretty romantic guy, I've never been like, intimately engaged from a distance verbally it's impossible now that i'm thinking about you know honey i really want to all right you look so good over there i want to fuck your bread that's fine but it's not intimate why is that not intimate that's not intimate i don't know yeah i think that's intimacy for some people all right (laughs) sorry to derail a little bit ai can listen in to conversations that are being had in a natural flow, which is the most important part. We couldn't do that before because you had to rely on people to be vulnerable, open, and unaffected by observation to elicit a natural reaction, which is impossible. But now it's possible because you have these devices and homes that after some period of time, unless you're a fear monger, or unless you're hypersensitive to um, privacy infringement, which you shouldn't be anymore because your privacy has been infringed on for 25 years at this point. That's not true. Well, however long... Smartphones have only been a thing for like a decade. Since I had an Xbox 360, I knew my privacy was infringed. So that was 2006. um, Sorry, 19. um, Not 19. 15 years for me personally. I knew the Xbox 360 was a listening device that was in some way, shape, or form hearing, well, it was hearing my conversations and recording them because I had a headset on and I was communicating with my friends while I was talking. And all of that uh, verbal conversation was being recorded. Somewhere. There was a cloud recording every single Xbox conversation ever had. 100%. Okay. But anyways, besides the point, what AI can do now is it, if that abortion talk is being had between two people, it can discern education level on the topic. It can discern how many articles you've read on both sides. It can discern whether you're being uh, biasly influenced or being influenced by a particular news network. 
it can discern all that in a heartbeat in a, if it's coded to discern that, which it is. <laughs> it's not. But it is. It's not in any way, shape, or form. Why don't you think it's coded, discern? Intelligence? Intelligence based Are on... Are you kidding? Yeah, based on what you output. You don't think it could pull up your... Right now, you don't think it, there's an AI in your phone I'm or in the you, Alexa that knows your profile and your history of collegiate courses, of social media posts, and it has it up right now in a cloud saying, okay. No, no, I don't. I do. I know you do. Because I have the intelligence to discern a little bit of it based on knowing you. And just knowing you, Morgan went to DeVry, Morgan, I've known, I've had 500 conversations with him. I've had 40 on this topic. I know where he stood on this topic three years ago. I know some of the history of whether or not he would be influenced or whether or not he'd be influenced because of this, this, and that. If I can discern that, the technology can too. No, it can't. That's a nuance that technology can't do. Oh, wait a second. The guy, I cracked him. Like less than 10 episodes ago, you're telling me that computers are ridiculously advanced compared to the human From brain. a logic standpoint, absolutely 110%. But what is this standpoint that we're talking about then? This is nuance. To try and determine inflection... To try and, try and determine vocabulary, to try and determine... You mentioned Grammarly on episode 69 and how it can spit out a facial expression based on the mood that you're typing? Sure. yeah. That you're typing? That sounds a little bit more psychological than what I'm talking about. But all it's doing is looking at vocabulary. That's all it's doing. But it has no idea of my education. It has no idea of my intent. It has none of that. Ability. It just knows by the words I've typed, this is typically what this would feel like. Okay. You, and what I'm telling you is like you'd have to take that and piece it with 15 other things to get what you think is out there. Like a health app that uh, picked up your heart rate right now to determine whether or not you were. Which I have no such health, health app. Doesn't matter if you have it. Okay. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm sort of against all the fitness watches and things that are tracking every like, oh, you track your sleep patterns. No, they they want more than your sleep. Yes, they do. But but what I hear there, deep down, rooted, I hear like, I hear influenced reasoning for that. Like, it's not really it's it's Morgan telling me this, but it's it's because of some media that you've taken in over the years leading you to believe that there's something wrong with AI knowing your sleep patterns. So what? It's not killing people that voluntarily. It's not that AI knows it's how some, a human being will use that information. But have you ever shopped at the sleep number? Never. <laughs> You're not one of the people who believes you have a sleep number. No. <laughs> I don't either. When you go into this store, 
they lay you on the bed and then you have a sleep number and they can determine the most comfortable mattress and pillows for you based on your it's astrology for beds essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and astrology as of late has been proven to uh, appeal only well not only i won't be i'll, I'll be fair but it's been proven um according to some recent research that narcissists are heavily influenced by astrology, which makes sense. Narcissism and astrology belief go hand in hand, according to recent scientific studies slash psychological studies, which makes sense. You want somebody to, because astrology at the end of the day, 98% of it's going to be positively reaffirming, I think. There's probably a website out there that's like shitasshoroscope.com. It's like negative horoscope. <laughs> you should go check that one out. I could probably write. Yeah, you could write for that one. Like the opposite of Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anti-Hallmark. Anti-Hallmark. Yeah, of course you could. Um, but horoscopes, for the most part, 98% positively re- reaffirming. And who more than narcissists want to be re- positively reaffirmed to um, be told, yeah, you're going to do great today love is in the air you're yes but we're told positivity is the key to a healthy ooh, happy healthy life genuine positivity uh, and it is i don't know if there's such a thing 150 <laughs> percent. i really don't know if there's such a thing as positive but that's your uh natural positivity of course there is. what is it it's the natural state of being it's the negativity that's come along and told you otherwise I don't, I don't think so, but I I don't think you're neither positive or negative. Well, that is fair because positive and negative could be viewed on this larger discussion as the tribalism sort of approach of which somebody can turn a negative into a positive if they really wanted to, or if they were influenced to, or if their bias is uh, ten is teetering them to do so. That's the, but that's not genuine. That's the. What's genuine positivity? Hmm. And if there is a genuine positivity, then there's definitely a genuine negative. No. Yes. Because as above, so below. Yeah. But these are human outputs that we're talking about. Yeah. So it's so like chicken egg. Why would egg. they not be? Because it's chicken egg like conundrum. So no. if. Let let's assume that um, let's propose that All right, let's go genuine back to my question. No. genuine positivity. So let's what just say is genuine, genuine positivity. Let's just say that unadulterated love, not in the romantic sense, just love that has nothing to do with positive or negative. That's not huh? that's love. That's not positivity. Love can be both positive or negative. No, no, that's what? Huh? No, we're talking about it from a romantic aspect now i'm talking about give me an example of genuine positivity and you go straight to love well i'm saying if that's the the granddaddy of uh positive influences let's just say if your love for your brother your sister your environment your children your job your own self it starts there so why is that genuine because it can be from the onset incorruptible if you if you don't allow anything on the outside to influence you at all, you can have love for yourself. You can naturally enjoy and 
take care of yourself to the point where you have a genuine sense of pride and love for who you are based on yeah i think someone who's 100% negative can still be but that's happy with but themselves. that's a re- mm, then and they're it, they're lying to themselves no they're well why well be, okay so it's like the it, it's like you're good about this because you're you're not a good example <laughs> i was going to say um if somebody's really selfish and you say and you ask him, do you think you're selfish? Nine out of 10 of them will say, no, not at all. Right. But then in the back of their mind, they're like, I'm so, no, I'm self. People who are well, selfish, people who are, genu- people who are genuinely selfish are very self-aware that they're selfish. They just don't like to admit to the outer world that they are because they believe that connotates a bunch of judgments and assessments. I, I don't, I think positivity is just, it's something that you learn from early stages and you're just associating a sunrise or blah, blah, blah with being positive. And so when you start to see those things, you're just positive. That's the modern hoopla which, spin on it. Which makes it not genuine at all. It's yeah. manufactured. Oh, I agree. That's if, if you think like seeing a sunrise <laughs> and that carries your day. And then if uh, you see somebody get hit by a bus just because you saw the sunrise that, oh, don't worry, today was great because the sunrise was so beautiful. But this lady who's smeared across the pavement doesn't have, no, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is almost like an, well, an, even, it's an even, innate ability to out, out-duel without even trying the negativity it's i i do believe in the in the idea that one person who understands themselves and is honest with who he or she is and thorough about it and like there's a bunch of criteria here sadly but thoroughness integrity genuine behavior and just in in general genuineness that if they have a decent understanding of themselves and the world around them, it outweighs a million incorrect assumptions of reality. People who don't know who they are, people who are confused mentally, physically. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard to say that it's like energetically verifiable because there's no device that can say, yeah, this one person who's got him or herself figured out and is simpatico with the world and in sync with, with the world and the ebbs and the flows that, that they are uh, better off than, than the millionaire. They have more power or whatever you want to say. Cause I don't, I don't think power really plays into it here. I, Positivity is alignment with the flow of things. Because yeah, but the, I'm telling you the flow is manufactured. But it's there's not, not a lot natural. of natural. But there's no there's not a lot I think negativity is unnatural. There's not a lot of negativity in the world. 
I think the world's full of negativity. But that's that's based on what? Your observation of it from a human perspective. So if if a tornado that ravages a city is negative to you, if somebody getting shot in a school is negative to you, the root cause of it is human. It's not the world. It's human. There's a city built. So humans are negative. That means all positivity is manufactured. There's no such thing as genuine positivity. Well, if, it, if general, you've argued that the world continues. We we know that the world continues to spin if every human being is obliterated oh yeah, tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. And the world's a beautiful place. Mm, but it's not all positive. A volcanic eruption is beautiful. It may not be positive for living things around it, but it's beautiful. I don't know about that. When Yellowstone goes, it's not going to be beautiful. The the way that it happens is beautiful. The natural laws that create that volcano that mm. turn the magma into erupting lava, the formation of the volcano itself, it's exquisite. From one point of view, it's not necessarily positive for everyone. Do you think that as human beings, we created the scale of what's positive and what's negative? We have to. Okay. So. Which means it's manufactured. There's no such thing as genuine positivity. I'm going to bring you to my side eventually. Huh? What? No, you're, you're right in that positivity is a word that was generated. So what we define as human beings is what's positive and what's negative. Yeah, that's all manufactured. But there is a natural energy that is a good energy. And I don't think there is a bad energy. If there is bad energy, it is human created. I don't think the ferocity of an animal... Energy is such an open-ended, undefined area. You can't say that there's only positive or good energy. If positive or good energy exists, then bad energy exists. That's just the way it is. Well, I guess I look at what's happening as above, so below. I look at the expansion of the universe as my ultimate example of energy and what energy does. So, uh, again, if I'm rough around the edges in my estimate of what's happening in the cosmos, please correct me here. Because I don't watch science shows. I don't watch TLC. I don't watch Discovery Channel. This is... Just based on my, like, off-the-cuff, shoot-from-the-hip approach to it. The Big Bang's still happening. It's still, the universe is expanding. Yes. At all times. Now, what that means to me but is... But we that, do know that it will contract. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Pretty sure that that's a common theory that it's some, it's a theory. Yes, but for us to stamp and seal that it'll a hundred percent contract like as as like a an inevitability, and that it doesn't. <laughs> okay, we'll get back to that one in a second. So, <laughs> the expansion of the universe we know involves light. Correct. I don't know if it necessarily involves light. Well. I think the speed of the 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 expansion of the universe is completely light driven to begin with. Mm, oh, 
that's the only part we can see. But I'm, dark matter doesn't produce light. Yeah. And most of the universe is dark matter. Yeah, but most of the universe is empty space. But that could be expanding and you wouldn't know it. Yeah. But if the dark matter was... And there, and there are things faster than the speed of light. Yeah. We just didn't think okay. there were, but there are. I know. I agree. I think the speed of thought is faster than the speed of light. Some people say that sound waves can be faster than the speed of light. So the way I see it is, if the expansion of the universe is still occurring on a cosmic level, then light is its propeller. It's its... uh, Yeah, but all the things that produce light are dying out. Well, the ones that we know of. I mean, that's because we're 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 looking back at time. We're not looking forward. We we observe the light hitting us, and it's two million years old. Well, five million years old. You can you already know that that light is less and less. Right. Right. So you already know the light's going out. It's it's dimming. We already know in the Milky Way galaxy itself that the star creation has slowed down to a point to where it's probably going to stop. Not necessarily. Of course, we're talking over millions of years pretty quickly. And unless us colliding with another galaxy reignites that, once stars start dying off, that's it. They're all going to die. And there will be no light. Yeah, but like where the light... No, that's the part that you can't drive with. Or that I can't... can't? No, I can't drive with. Sorry. Because we're playing catch-up. Like, we're on the... You said uh, the universe can contract eventually. That's if it ever stops expanding. We don't know what it's expanding towards. We don't get to know any of that, actually. We can't send probes into the universe, the part of the universe that is being expanded upon. That's impossible. It's unfathomable to do that because all we can do it sends stuff into the part of the universe and the galaxies that we know, that we've seen, that have existed, that are sending us light transmissions from millions of years ago, which tell us the universe is dying. Obviously, because that part of the flashlight is around the bulb. The light, the beam of the light itself shines into the darkness forever. And it continues to light the darkness forever. We don't send... It's not forever. But the light is ever expanding. It's That's the way that it has been taught to me. That the Big Bang is, is doing. It's, a, it's an explosion that does not stop. It's got to continually be to be propelled, right? It, it can't just go, 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 go. And with no energy behind it, pushing it. Well, who's to say that it's not picking up energy as it goes? Well, we know that it's not. Huh? But that's based on looking at the past and seeing stuff dying out. Of course. That's the way, that's the way things go. Which is, that's all we know. Is hindsight. Correct. But that doesn't mean that we're right about it. (laughs) Okay. That's the point. It's like, 
do you really think that humanity is the authority on the the cosmos? Well, we can only go based on what we know right this second, right now, in this time and moment. Yeah. And so based on that, yes. Right now, <laughs> absolutely. Think of what else we think we're the authority on. Oh, I know. And think of how late to the party we've been on everything that we think it's, we're the authority well, on. It's that arrogance that I've worn about. But, so why do you subscribe to any of it? What do you mean? Why are you Mr. Conformity half the time we have these conversations? If you know that, like, a general rule of thumb, the masses move slow. Masses themselves, whether you're talking about, mm. like, a giant blob. On this planet, sure. Okay, so why would you conform if masses move slow? Conform mentally is what I'm suggesting here. I don't understand the question. Um, the question is, like, if... The idea of if scientific theory is a conglomerate mass consciousness generated, like this is what we're comfortable with philosophy, and that where we're at right now in 2021 is just where it's best to be comfortable for the masses. But we can recognize that the masses are slow, and that in 200 years, we'll be laughing at what we thought was cemented and and thought of as as a reality now why 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 like not why not break away from like that mental mass consciousness is the way to go mentality like why wouldn't you want to be closer to the inevitability of the truth or the reality of things rather than being slowed down, being drug along with the blob that's slow to catch up to what's really going on. It's a, it's a loaded question because at the end of the day, it's like, well, if I think the universe is forever expanding and regardless of me, if, if I can align myself mentally and consciously back to the topic of consciousness here, if I can say, I want to be on the edge of Everything that's known, because I know that the universe will be forever expanding. So even if I'm on the fringe edge of it, and I know all that there is to know, but that is still ever expanding because I'm aligned with the universe. Why would I want to be way in the back where the person in the back doesn't think you're way ahead? And who, who's to say you're way ahead? In your mind, you're way ahead. But in someone else's mind, you're back. You're in the, or you're in the blob. Why can't we have those sorts of breakdowns and constructive conversations amongst each other as a people of this planet so that we can all get ahead? I don't think everyone's intended to get ahead. Hmm. I just don't. Do you believe in the idea of like unity in any to, to any degree? Like as far as based on the human being, unity will never exist. That's based on the history, though. That's all I have to go on. No. Any, anything else is a word called hope, and hope gets you 
very little uh, in life. Maybe because it's been misinterpreted. I can hope for a good job. I can hope for this. But the reality (laughs) is I have to go work for it and I have to earn it. The reality is it's up to you. So hope doesn't give me anything. It may give me inspiration, but it really doesn't give me anything. I've got to do it to get there. But if you start doing it and you see the results of your efforts, don't you have like more conviction in the idea of hope? No. Why not? Is it does it convert because to faith hope, at that point? Hope is faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's it's just sitting there wishing. But it it's converts not... to faith. If you have evidence that your efforts and your work and your perseverance and your diligence and your skill set does actually elicit a response when you're fully committed to it, then the hope, which is yes, a pipe dream, converts to like evidence which equates to faith but the hope's not the evidence the hope's not the evidence no but the faith is the evidence no the hard work is the evidence yes but hard work converts to faith in yourself confidence is just another word for faith yeah i don't know really why not like i can interchange those words on a dime yeah i don't at all do you have confidence in your ability to play disc golf yeah. Do you have faith that you could go play disc golf well tomorrow? No, I have confidence <laughs> that I will go play disc golf well tomorrow. <laughs> of course, but but that's because faith is a sense of hope. It's a faith is a belief in that something is real without any proof whatsoever that it's real. That's not confidence. But that's based on that's your not religious hard work in doing but, it. But that's based on your religious like propaganda thrown at you throughout forty five years. That's it. That's why you connotate faith and religion based on the idea of this world uh, of of what they've thrown out at, at the end of the day of what they've tried to make you think God is. That you connotate the two, and that's that's fine. <laughs> but what if it's giving faith a bad a bad rap? Well, it is what it is. It's religious. Huh? Yeah. Do you think so? If faith really, if faith is an actual thing and an actual energy, like let's just say faith is real, you think that human beings can come along and say, ah, I stake claim to faith like it's a piece of land and they can turn it into what they want it to be? Well, when the vast majority believe a word means X, Y, Z, then the word means X, Y, Z. No, I just got it done saying. It absolutely does. But I just got done saying, if the masses are slow to the party, and it doesn't matter what they think, because at the end of the what don't they ruin at the end of the day? And that's not a knock on the masses, but what don't they ruin, like statistically Why is that ruining, ruining anything? I'm, I'm trying to science it here a little bit and say, there's verifiable proof that everything everything that gets bandwagoned by over 50% of people and sustained becomes corrupted, becomes perverted, becomes misaligned because it's the game of telephone. That that's all it is. So if you take a real pure concept, let's take love, take faith, Take intelligence, even. Take all of these these words that we have definitions of and roll the spool back. And let's just say they exist before humans. 
They, these concepts exist. We, we came along and we added context to them. We added the human experience to them, all great things. But somewhere along the way, we, we tried to, to take ownership over them. And then it became a game of telephone. Oh, love all of a sudden is, oh man, I met this, this chick at the bar. <laughs> oh man, Careful. I tell you, I tell you, I, me and this chick, we hit it off from jump. My, my heart ballooned up. <laughs> it was beating out of my chest. I had to propose to her the next day. I've never felt anything like this. That's love, man. That's love. I tell you, I've been going to church 35 years hearing this pastor talk, and my faith in Jesus has never been stronger than it's been these last, <laughs> well, that's not a good, uh, these last 35 years, yeah, because you've been going to the same thing. That's taking a word and playing telephone with it. And then anybody who hears your version of the telephone game is influenced by it. And guess what? They're just the third or fourth person that you've passed on this version of the word to, and it becomes misaligned with, not necessarily misaligned, but it does become disingenuous to what, not necessarily, not all the time. It really does depend on where you're influenced from and, and what that cocktail of mental and environmental circumstances are in your life. But that's how you get a religious extremist. That's how you get That's how you get the spectrum of reactions. And there's nothing wrong with it. We probably benefited greatly from seeing it over the course of 2000 years and having historical data and commentary on it. But if we got back to what the words actually, let's just say the, the words themselves. Yeah, but we don't know what they may have meant a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, 5,000 years. Who's to say what it was intended to mean? That's what I'm suggesting is the and words themselves be, can show us. Then it's going to be different in each language. But, Right, but the words themselves can show us what they are. They, yeah, I don't know about that. It sounds to me like you're just trying to do what the first guy did and change it for everyone. Because you think your idea of it's better than that. I don't share what my idea is of those words to people. Because I believe that it's dangerous to. And I well, hate the being misinterpreted. That, well, the fact... You're talking to a too guy bad. who's long-winded on purpose so that he too can bad. minimize and I don't misinterpretation. Know well, you're you're wasting your time. And I think you've I think you've wasted your time your whole life. You just don't have you haven't come to this realization yet that over explaining stuff, people still misinterpret you. One, their attention spans only so much. That's fine. Then okay. they never get to the point where they can interpret. Well, sure they do. They're gonna no. they're gonna block out whatever and they'll in, still interpret. But you can't. You have to make it to a certain threshold to even qualify for an interpretation. It doesn't work like that. If they, you watch a TikTok their, video, their attention span doesn't eight, start the moment you start speaking, and because they didn't, because they only listened to the first twenty seconds of your conversation, for some reason they can't understand or interpret 
what you said 30 seconds after that, that's ridiculous. That's exactly what happened. That is not what happens at all. Attention span will go in and out. I can tune you out from the first question. I'll ignore your whole explanation and then only listen to the part that you're saying. And and you know what? You've trained me to do this uh-huh. by constantly doing that. So I don't even listen to the first 10 seconds of anything you say. <laughs> okay. So think of so you're think, wasting your time. But think of the discussions that we've had about the way I watch movies. Oh, it's so ridiculous. All right. But but it, it, according to like 15 minute increments, even fast forwarding the movie itself. You're the guy who watches the whole movie from start to finish. I am, yes. And dedicates his quote unquote attention span to it. Yeah. Okay. Let's discuss um, next time we, well, it's going to be hard to have a perfect example, but if we ever see a movie that we both have seen with our style of watching a movie, I bet you I know all the parts that you dedicated your attention span to. Well, you may, but you will have missed some large part because you're not watching it in sequence or or you're not watching it all as one whole, you're seeing it as in, in bits and pieces. Right. But you and I can watch the same thing and still come away with different opinions of it, even if we watched it the same way. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what precursor happens to try and eliminate that from happening. That's going to happen. Yeah. Mo- in the story. Movies are fiction. So, yes. With fiction, we can come up with interpretations that are with all, real life, all over the place. With everything. Uh-uh. It's not related to no, only fiction. No, if you and I watch a, a History Channel documentary. Look, we came away with completely different interpretations uh-huh. of the uh, border thing, the border show. One, I watched all six episodes. You only watched on- one. But we episode one, we came out with complete opposite interpretations of what that episode was and what it was about. That's because of everything that influenced us beforehand and everything that factored into our interpretation of it. All I'm saying is with one swift move, would you, would you be against all of your negative biases being eroded at? I would just come up with more. (laughs) (laughs) What a true cynic. I see, yes, I see positivity and hope as an assault on my soul. But you've never, <laughs> um, that's, <laughs> I mean, maybe if, maybe if you're, uh, looking at it as a, from a modern perspective and all the like, uh, gurus and all that and, and the social media approach to that, sure. But I'll say this right here, right now. Morgan, if positivity decides to lay its law down on your being, you don't really stand a chance. If I'm affected by positivity, it's something I have manufactured to be positive. No, it's it the absolutely is. it's Stevie Nicks. Ver, it's the Stevie Nicks thing in uh, in dreams. It's when the rain washes you clean, you'll know. That's the feeling of genuine positivity. Is when it actually, when you don't have to go blabbing about it, when you don't, when you don't tout aspects of your day to day thing, 
and you just are at peace with everything that's going on. That's it. It's, it's that's not to me. That's neither positive nor negative. It's not positivity. Mm. To me, it is. See, we just have different ideas of what going with the flow is, and of being aligned with the flow of natural existence. To me, the natural flow of existence is a positive one. Because if I look at the way the world was 2,000 years ago compared to where it is now, it's positive. It's a positive change. There are negatives to it based on humanity's breakdown of what a negative is. Shit, we highlighted some of them here. Population balloon. Like, that's a negative. But at the end of the day, it's brought a lot of positives to the situation. Like, without the sheer manpower and the population blossoming from, like, the year 1,000 to 1,500, you probably don't get agricultural um, growth the way that you need to to even provide food for the next population balloon from, like, the 16th century to the 19th century. So, it's like every stage of the way has been... On a, on a grand scale of things, it's been positive. There hasn't been an asteroid-like event to humanity. Humanity has not caught genocide. Yeah, here and there. We're talking about a million, two, three, four million people at the end of the day. It's, it's a negative in a microscope. But if you want to ignore the microscope when it comes to climate change, I want to ignore the microscope when it comes to positive and negative. So. World War II. I don't necessarily want to say it's not relative, uh, relevant to our our lifetime, and it's not pertinent to our lifetime. But extrapolated, and from a, a bigger picture, over the course of thousands of years, did it slow the growth of the economy? Did it uh, of the world economy? Did it slow the growth of um, people wanting to procreate? Did it slow the growth of people caring about? Mm, sharing compassion with one another for simpler things or helping each other, helping an old lady with the door? No. Did it create a lot of negativity under a microscope? Yes. So, I don't know. Consider me more of a big picture guy now. (laughs) Okay, big picture guy. Yeah. How'd we get to this topic? I have no idea. What we meander from? Um, uh, tornadoes. Well, we talked about tornadoes. <laughs> All right. Tornadoes to positivity. <laughs> <laughs> tornadoes are positive. It could be the Earth's way of getting rid of... I don't know. Positivity, neg- negativity, good, evil, to me, they kind of go hand in hand, and it just depends on your perspective. It doesn't really depend on... Anything else other than perspective. When I remove myself from my human way of processing that statement, I agree with you. But when I remove myself from my human way of processing that statement, the only energy that I see is positive energy. And that doesn't mean good, bad. doesn't mean... All I'm talking about is the the way expansion in general. 
as above, so below. If I have no evidence of the contraction and all I have is theory, then... Well, it is good math, by the way, that presents that theory, but anyway. Good math by 21st century standards. That may be bad math by 25th century standards. I can't... I don't know that that math is going to change much. <laughs> now you sound like 16th century standards. It's it's like it's 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 an ever revolving. I get it. These are human constraints. I get it. You have to, you have to live in the moment with the scientific evidence up to this point that dictates your worldview or your galactic view on things. Maybe that's what fiction's for. Maybe fiction and sci-fi and stuff like that is to broaden your scope of things because the nonfiction that you're privy to in a lifetime is just so limited. Because guess what? It's contingent on, it's contingent on all, everything. The people coming up with these theories we rely on their education. We rely on their upbringing. We rely on what they're biased for and bias against. We re- it's not like these people are robots that are designed to churn out truth and nothing but the truth. If they are, they should be running the world, which we've kind of allowed them to because of the merit that we put on um, the scientific establishment being the authority of reality. And at the end of the day, it's just from an academic perspective, because there's a lot of independent um, science-related folks out there in all the fields, psychology, astronomy, anthropology, that the independents kind of, again, push forward and everybody else sort of sticks to them and then absorbs whatever they were running with takes authority over it and says, stamps it and seals it for the masses. And then that's what the masses respond to. It's how it works with everything. For some reason, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know that it's like, uh, that movie on Netflix where the independent, uh, uh, astronomers discover, an asteroid that's going to hit Earth, and um, they go running and telling everybody, we've got to pay it. Nobody cares because, well, I haven't seen the movie, but it's supposed to be a satire on like how our lives are so busy with trivialities that we don't care about like an asteroid coming towards us or whatever. I have to check it out. It's called Don't Look Up or something like that uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, some other good actors it's directed by adam mckay yeah uh, so i don't know i'm looking forward to it yeah <sighs> this is a fun episode <laughs> <laughs> i i said like um i don't know when this episode will come out this will probably be this will be in 2022 episode it is 2022 happy new year by the way um how do you uh how'd your holidays go they were good yeah, they were all right. Good. Hung out with some family, knocked a few back. <laughs> I bet. Uh, did you get your car back yet? Your second vehicle? Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Took, it didn't take as long as the last one did. To get Thanks. Fixed. Goodness. 
Ah, uh, yeah. New year upon us. We're officially in year three now of meandering. So the beginning. Cool. Beginning. Oh, is that going to be the uh, colon, um, the, the two dots? Meandering year three. The beginning. Sure. Why not? And the first two. Kind of like Dune. Have you seen Dune yet? I haven't seen the new Dune. So Dune was like a prologue to the whole... That's not really a spoiler, but um, the first Dune movie is one of three, and the whole first two and a half hours is just a prologue. Oh, sorry to bore you with Dune talk. <laughs> but basically, yeah, the first two years have been a prologue to uh, year three, where we get into, well, I don't know, what real, real-time... real Oh, you don't like that word. Real-time. I was going to say manipulation. <laughs> you don't like that word. Uh, I don't mind manipulation. I just don't want to be manipulated. Right. Or, like, you're not. I just want more people to be aware of how they are being manipulated. Right. I think that's what everybody wants. So I don't know about that. So, okay. So let's just say I'm your buddy, and you, <laughs> and you don't want me to be manipulated. Look at what I've done in my life to say, hey, you know what, Morgan? I appreciate the fact that you don't want me to be manipulated. I'm going to stop watching the news. I'm going to stop reading the newspaper. I'm going to stop really having conversations with anyone who I don't respect on a level of, um, gotta be careful with what I say <laughs> on a level of like, they're out to manipulate me mode, even unconsciously, because some people do it unknowing. Some people are so opinionated and so influenced that they don't even know that they're influenced or manipulated. You know that. Subliminal messaging. Right. So what is the, somebody who isn't influenced, what do they have to do to uh, provide evidence that they're uninfluenced this day and age? I don't think anyone is uninfluenced. But if, if they were, what would they have to do? What sort of test are we talking about? Let's just say like you could walk into an office and um, there was like an influence tracker that said, yeah, you are yourself. You are uninfluenced by the world around you and the people around you. Um, well, you would just ask them, I guess, um, what do you think about abortion? Indifferent. Which is more likely a lie than a truth. If you ask me, what do you think about abortion? If your if your current romantic partner approached you after pregnant, like you can't even propose that question. Like, see, I can't do it. I don't have an opinion on someone else's <laughs> opinion on abortion. That's the point. It's like we have all these systems that okay, try so to. Come I up. might say something for you. Then it might be like, uh, should Quebec uh, become its own country? Oh, I see where you're going here. Okay, I believe in independence. You could you could do ten questions, and you would and you would some see point influence. somebody. Yeah, you're going to see influence. There's no way you will go through life without being influenced. What if you remove yourself from all um, social influence scenarios and you retain um, sovereignty and intelligence. If you are going to, you can't. 
Yeah, you can. No, you can't. Yeah. I've been alive for 38 years. I've learned enough. I know there's a lot more for me to learn, but it doesn't necessarily need to come from people around me. It can come from the experience of applying the knowledge I've already learned and just living with it and seeing what it generates along the way. That's not to say like you can't teach me what a... What, the problem is that in 38 years, you've already got a baseline on everything. Which you is good. Can, no, you cannot approach anything with just truly, a baseline. truly independent of influence. Everything that's in your baseline has been influenced in your baseline. Everything. Does not compute. I just put it in my my okay. mental algorithm. So when you're when you're looking now finally at, questions. It took three years. Finally. When you're looking for a new hat, what you're just gonna pick up every hat and try it on? <laughs> or will a label influence you or will the the graphic on there influence you? Will the color influence you? It's so funny that you mentioned this. I actually had this contemplation shop hat shopping three days ago. You know what I thought? I thought I need to buy every hat because I plan on going to every major metro in the next year or two, and I want to wear either their rivals' hats or their own city's hat when I'm going. So you're already influenced, but that's personal influence. That's not generated from from another like person saying, "Hey, Something... you should go. You should go wear Blackhawks hats in Nashville." That's me saying I want to wear Blackhawks hats in Nashville. I know that other people have done that or have contemplated it, but they don't influence me. It's me saying, I want to wear a Blackhawks hat in Nashville. And why do you want to wear a Blackhawks hat in Nashville? Well, that's because I am influenced by sports rivalries. <laughs> which influenced your hat purchase. But that's because I was born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, which is a it heavy sport. Yeah. It's because it's a heavy sports town that prides itself on hockey rivalries. It has one freaking notable team. Huh? No. The Montreal Expos are pretty notable. They don't exist anymore. They exist on my left arm. So without their existence any longer, I don't know that you can call it a great sports town one that has the Canadians. Oh, you uh, mean the most winningest franchise in any sport? Period. The most, yeah, I'm telling the you, most only one team. Okay, I mean, I guess there's probably a Canadian football team in Montreal, but I don't know. Are they the Argonauts? Okay, uh, the Giants have what one Super Bowl? The Jets have none. Maybe the Giants have two, right? The Knicks, how many championships? Do they the have? Giants have like four, huh? Super Bowl championships? Yeah, they won two in the '80s, right? No, one. They beat the Broncos Bill and Sims. they beat the Bills. And they won that two with Manning, so that's four. Oh. Your lack of sports knowledge and then you trying to tell me that Montreal's a great sports town just doesn't compute lack, over here, My bro. lack of sports knowledge. I underestimated the Giants wins. The Jets have none. The Mets have one they championship. They do. They beat the Colts. In, the in, Jets in the Joe Namath days? Yes. That's Joe Namath is one of the most... No, it's not. That's a Super Bowl era. Is it? Yes. Okay, see... I, I told you oh I told you four minutes ago. Frustrating. But none of this has any bearing on my physical or mental existence. It's just this per it's it's the microscope conversation that it, where it matters. And I, I have a sports knowledge. I just I'm not going on stump the schwamp anytime soon. Big deal. Gotcha. Neither are you. Chris Berman doesn't exist anymore, does he? 
What does he yes. do? Does he? He's not that old. He's only like 64, mm. 65. Not that old. Well, I mean, in your in your mind, he's 80, right? Because, yeah. I mean, he was doing Sports Center in the 80s. That's true. In his 30s. Well, <sighs> I enjoy. <laughs> I enjoy being a free agent. Okay. That's what I'm going to term myself. Well, good, I guess. What if everybody was a free agent? What do you mean? Like, uh, everybody, <laughs> what if everybody was stripped down to their own sovereignty, their own personal, like, guidance? Uh, half or more would be <laughs> going crazy. I know. And kill themselves, probably. Well, uh, take away the last extreme. What if we're there? What, we're not there. But what if this is the transition to there? Is that all of a sudden... But, but all the evidence is the exact opposite. Huh? We're more influenced today than ever before. Mm, do we really know that? There are more... Oh, influ- absolutely. We know that. There are more influences present. And there is more... There is more to lead us to believe that people are heavily influenced, of course. It's fascinating because, yeah, if you strip away the influences that the unnatural influences or, yeah. But we seek influence. Influence is actually important to us in in a lot of ways. I was thinking uh, about that conversation we had about special versus unique a little bit on one of my drives out of town. I have four hours in East Texas. I don't have much to do other than listen to meandering episodes. So uh, we were talking about, you said, and you said it vehemently, you were like, you got to pick one or the other. We're either all special or we're all unique. I'm like, okay. Right now, I can see why your perspective of things is that mm, there's not a lot of uh, special out there. because. Of the influence. Because. Yeah. There's way more factors. It's not just influence. Yeah. But. The bare bones. Like. Logistics of it. Is if. Let's just say. 90% of. Adult Americans. Right now. Have all been influenced. By the same. Track. In general. A generalization. But let's just say. Like the same. Public education system. The same the same circadian rhythm of life throughout a lifetime. So that's from age zero to age 18, you live with your parents. You're, um, again, 90% of folks go through the same steps. Then, yeah, the product's going to be 90% the same, isn't it? Just based on, like if we're, if America is a human factory at the end of the day, and it produces a particular type of human being. It has to establish the machines along the way that generate its ideal human being. And for America, its ideal human being is someone who, from age 18 to 65, works X amount of hours and in turn is a consumer so that the economy 
generates what it needs to to remain, if not grow, so that the idea of capitalism and what it is in this country sustains and grows. All good things. But but the result is that you, you have to establish a sort of patterned machine. And it's unavoidable that that has a trickle-down effect on the personality and the people that are coming out of that assembly line. Thereby, the only uniqueness that you get is what that person does in their sovereign time. What you do, um, it's, it, it's verifiable in front of me right now. What you do in your spare time is what defines you more. You yeah. are, you're, you're a, a horse a hobbyist, you're a sci-fi a guru, and you love your wife. That's it. That's the, the Morgan okay. I know. Yeah, that's and you come here and you meander. This is the Morgan I know. Yeah. You take those things away, you're no different than the guy upstairs, probably. But, but even my combination is not unique, and it surely doesn't make me special. I, I feel like, I, I really feel like this weird thing has happened that has tried to make everyone be special and everyone be unique. Instead, we should be talking about how you should be just fine with being average and not being special and not being unique. Should be just fine with that. Why is your self worth impending on you being special right. or unique? Yeah. Why? When, when point point zero 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 one percent even and what's to say? I mean, LeBron James is uniquely talented, um, but I think everybody's uniquely talented. They just don't there's really probably have you, time. There's to, probably something you some do area that better you're than in the top one percent. Yeah. But but that uh, but even like LeBron will only be unique for a short period of time, right? And he's only unique because we've created an association of sports to reward basketball players under this economic model, and they generate a ton of money for. I mean, yeah, for everything that involves like, capitalism. Well, and it might be sports and movies because mm -hmm. being an actor. And having a special well, and the skill arts. and the arts, yeah, in and the yeah, artist. You're right. Being in the arts, he's got it, a TV it, it, show. He's got yeah. uh, he's in Space Jam, the sequel, which sucked, and he's a basketball player. These are three corners of the current hundred year model of which we make a lot of money from those three those three districts. And so all of a sudden, the word like celebrity comes in, and then we attach celebrity to special. And then we throw social media out there and we say, okay, if you want to be special and you want to feel like a celebrity, you need to do these things that set somebody like LeBron apart, but you do them in your own wheelhouse. And then all of a sudden, over the course of 10 years, you see that people can't really do anything special <laughs> on social media. Well, or you get these whack jobs that try to do extreme things on social media to set themselves apart. Well, and we even do it with our children, right? By giving them like the giving you a name like John, but taking the H out, J-O-N instead of J-O-H. We do it with names. Mm -hmm. um, ESPN is now uh, some kid's name somewhere, Espen, right? <laughs> That's real. That is real. Yeah. Like we do these really odd things to try to make ourselves. I don't want to play devil's advocate special, here, but. But we should really be just saying, you know what? It's okay to not be unique. And not be special. Yeah, but it's just, uh, what's the word? Um, I mean, how many mental issues do we create by trying to force that upon people? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, sure. I mean, you're talking to a guy who who's given birth name Sasha. I love my name, but second, third, fourth grade, it was the, the cliche. Isn't that a girl's name? I, I deal with that now as an adult. <laughs> right. But, but your name, again, your name's somewhat unique, too. So it's not like... It's not really unique. It's boy or girl. Lots of people have it. The only uniqueness about it may be that it's, it's unisex. If you, if you just see the name Morgan, you don't know if you're going to be talking to a man or a woman. So you're probably likely thinking you're going to be speaking to a woman more than a man. So you have an issue, though, with like uh, parents today saying, oh, our kid's name is going to be Morgan with a Y instead of an A. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't it just uh, phonetics? At the, is that the word? Phonetics at the end of the day? Like if it all sounds the same, what does it matter? Like what the parents spell it? I agree with you. But why? the reason you're spelling it that way is because your child is out. different. Right. Your child's unique. Your child's special. So when they never live up to the uniqueness or the specialness, what kind of mental thing are you giving them right from the name? Well, how much of that is an ego thing then? I agree. It could be quite a bit of ego. Well, how much of it is um, like when people buy cars, um, when you see like a 50 year old with a fast car, the presumption is that he's making up for something because he's, um, or the cliche assumption is that, you know, he's, what do people say? Like he's making up midlife crisis, or he's making up somewhere lacking. So there's some other. Oh phrase yeah, if he's ology. buying, get some spe- sports car. We, yeah. you know, he doesn't have anything in his pants. Yeah, so, so maybe he's gotta the, buy the car to compensate. So perhaps the parents with these like twists on names and stuff, it's just their way of like not Oops. being so placid because they realize that they're placid people. I don't think they realize that. I think it's just trying to be unique. But right. what you don't but what you don't realize is when your kid's name ends up on a resume and people are reading the resume and they're looking at the crazy spelled name. Morgan with a G Y H. They're already making an assumption about your child. Yeah. <clears throat> or about the parents of that child. And since I've made that assumption, I can now assume that the child might be a certain way. It, it's just it's yeah. ridiculous, honestly. I'm glad I don't have to look at resumes anymore. Is this why you like, uh, then what do you think of Elon when he named his kid? Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, the it's like a mathematical equation or mm-hmm. something, isn't it? Yeah. Elon thinks a lot of interesting things, though. He said something recently that I liked a lot. I mean, I like Elon. I don't know that I agree with everything that comes out of his mouth, but I like him. No, I think he said he's the- innovative. I think he's, I mean, just think about it. On the edge of three different industries, and he's in his 40s. Yeah. I mean, he was somewhat birthed into it, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. This, that's what drives me crazy. It matters. It does not matter. You know why it matters? Because we'll never know, is this reaching his potential, or is it just like what he was guaranteed to be hitting? If Joe Schmo come, comes from nothing and does it, oh, he's the greatest person in the world. Yeah, because there's more room for from Joe Schmo's rise to a billion dollars. There's a lot more tread. There's a lot more closing the gap. There's a lot more space. There's a lot more experience involved. Whereas, so he's better than the guy who started off with money? No. Um, what I'm saying is that more gets he's achieved, done. He's achieved more. Yeah. Joe, Joe Schmo from the guy who had money. Yeah. I'm going to argue to tell you that... Um, 
no one's ever done what Elon Musk has done. I know. That's because he was the richest guy to start off and have the wherewithal and the drive to I mean, get to where he's at. I don't know what his net worth was when he started, but I I, I don't I don't no, think he was in the top hundred. No, the, but this is this is a applause and for. By the for way, him. he's a unique billionaire. Because the other billionaires who have had his wealth, their dreams and their vision has been very, very minimized compared like to all him. the Kardashians are starting off way ahead I know. of everyone else. And all else. they want to do is they, own makeup companies. They won't, like I say, they won't own groundbreaking companies yeah. in three different industries I know. ever. I know. That's why he, is, but but back to the, the But that's what makes company. him extremely exceptional whether he started off with money or not. Well, he is extremely exceptional. But all I'm saying is they started off with money. So if you I don't start, know that that's that big a deal in the United States. But then why isn't the person, why isn't the inverse accurate just as much? The the person you just uh, criticized, Joe Schmo, making it from nothing I to something. I didn't criticize them. Well, you said that they shouldn't be valued, um, or not valued, but they, they should, shouldn't be viewed as doing much more than something that, than what someone like Elon is doing. There's right, if, quite if, a difference. I don't think so. Oh, if I create a space program in the next 20 years and I become a billionaire, yeah, I, not that I would, but if we were Lincoln Douglasing debate our our rise and our it's meteoric compared to his. That's there's a word the the meteoric but that doesn't make rise. it better. No, better is not the word. More, it doesn't make that person more genuine. No, all I'm saying is that more has been done. Literally has it? it only until the point until he made his first million. But then at that point after no more has been done. Okay. My path. And to, I'm telling you that that path that today, the path to a million dollars is not that hard. No, but the path for, let's just use me as an example, uh, right here, right now, if I want to own my own hybrid car company from this point on, like the path to get to owning a Tesla like company and to educating myself to get into position for that particular company, it requires a lot more work than what Elon's path warranted. Like he could get into the school just flat out. He could learn computer science and the computer technologies. But that's that not he where needed. his skill set is. I know, but he needed to do it to even have a foot in the door to to creating But Tesla. what you're telling me is he already had the millions of dollars. He didn't need any of that. He could just skip that. No, what I'm saying is that all the stuff that he did need came easier because of the finances, because that's just Look, the way in, this in world the end, works. In the end, whether you have $1 or $1 billion, it's all about talking to people. And it's all about influencing people to get behind your idea. It has nothing to do with what should your bank account. I don't know that I mean, anybody he, he, was on it, board it, with Elon Musk when he was in his 20s and 30s and he had these grandiose ideas at all. He didn't convince anyone. Oh, I guarantee who he convinced people. You think he went in with only his money for any of the business ventures he did? I guarantee you he went into every single one of those business ventures protected with other people's money if they failed. I see, Elon. Because that's what smart business people do. If the bank's going to lend you the money to do it, you take the loan. Hmm. I see Elon as having more influence after he had all of his prototypes out and he got them accomplished on his own. Like he got like the think of the it didn't pan out, but think of the tunnels in Los Angeles that he was trying to create um 
to uh, avoid or, or to change the LA traffic situation the bo- through the Boring Company. It's like he had a theory, and then he jumped from theory to application. He didn't wait for people to say, like, he had to wait for the city to say, yeah, it's okay to drill holes. But he didn't wait for people to say, this is a great idea. He didn't care. He just dug the holes. But he had people behind him with money for the idea. No. Yes, he did. He had the money for the idea. Yeah, he had the money in the bank. But do you really think he all the capital for that was out of his bank account? You're absolutely 100% crazy if you think that's I true. think it was funded via Tesla and other endeavors of which he had support for. It's, Do you think people gave him money and said, hey, build uh, 10,000 flamethrowers? Great idea. No, because it was a terrible idea. It didn't do anything. It was just a consumer product. But he wanted to see the idea realized. He used money from Tesla, funneled it into another nook. And cra- this is why he owns several companies. So he can funnel it from the people that actually support one of his ideas into his other nooks and crannies. This is what I've learned from running my own business. Right now, in the last two years, in a little bit, here's something that people do give me money for. I'm going to take the money they give me for, that I give them a product for, but they don't get to tell me what I do with that money. I get to do it. I get to take their money and apply it wherever I want. But that's your money out of your bank account. You didn't go talk to them and ask them for investment in this new idea. I guarantee you, he went and talked to people and got investment for the new idea. He is not financing this stuff out of his own personal bank account. His own, like, you don't think... No major businessman is financing anything out of their own pocket. Dang. Well, then he just has leverage because what bank's going to say, yeah, go ahead and crank out... He doesn't necessarily need banks. 25,000 flamethrowers. He needs a hedge fund to be behind him. He needs other rich people to be behind him. You don't think that it's a complete troll? The boring company itself. You don't think that... That company itself is like his troll company, and he's showing us that, yeah, I can get all of my personal dreams and the things that I want to see become a reality through all of these other companies that people really do support because they're good ideas. Tesla is a fantastic uh, model for cars moving forward and hybrid technology and auto uh, autonomous vehicles, of course. But arming people with flamethrowers isn't a great idea. It's it's a it's a dream. Was, that, it's a fantasy thing. It was a fantasy fun thing. But it cost a hundred million dollars okay, to but, create all those flamethrowers. And he didn't he didn't walk into a bank and and because then you could walk into a bank if you had good credit. You say, hey, I want a hundred grand. I want to build. Uh, I want to make my own weapon that uh, shoots out lasers. And just because you're not Elon Musk, you well, should still get it. I wouldn't go to a bank necessarily. I'd go to people like on Shark Tank. Seriously, I, I would find people who that's what they do. They're venture capitalists and they're looking at an idea. And if you can sell them on your idea, your idea doesn't have to be good. You just have to be able to sell them on your idea and they'll invest in it. So, it's, so I, whether you have a dollar, that's why I'm going back and saying whether you have a dollar or have you, you have a billion dollars, it all comes down to talking the people into, into your idea. You're, n- you're not going to go it alone and, and remain a billionaire. You're not going to be able to self-finance and keep your bank account because there's going to be failures. What if you, um, do, do you like, you're right, there will be failures, but what if the good ideas, what if the, the great ideas 
This would be asking a lot of the entrepreneurial mind. And it would be asking a lot of the little guy who is the entrepreneurial mind, the independent, so to speak. What if we lived in a world where the guy with a dollar, but a lot of good ideas, had confidence that his ideas could make it to the Elon Musk, who could then realize his ideas with a little bit more social capital and leverage because of who he is. And what if we got stuff done and accomplished that way? But the little guy's sacrifice is that he gets to see his idea realized through and through. But he doesn't get the, he has to be okay with the social recognition not being there. And here's the hard part. He has to be okay with not getting the capital returned him. So let's just say like some guy in the 80s had the idea of Tesla before Elon Musk. No, that's a terrible example. Never mind. Let's just say Neuralink. Let's say some guy 10 years ago had the concept for Neuralink drawn out through and through. And he's like, you know what? This is such a powerful idea. I'm not going to try to bust my butt to see it realized in this world that you got to go through banks, you got to go through networking, there's a little bit of nepotism involved, um, got to have a clean record for the most part, don't want to don't want to inherit all these um, opinions and uh, misassessments of who I am as a person. I just want the idea to get out there. So you form a network of communication to where you can relay the core of what the idea is to the person who can basically churn out whatever he wants the next day and have some semblance of support behind it, whether it's Dogecoin, flamethrowers, holes under the city of Los Angeles, doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, the good ideas, the the productive for future development ideas start making their way to him, like Neuralink, uh, SpaceX. Not that that's really an idea. That's just the advancement of space travel. So that was a given. Somebody was going to do it. Um, Kanye West is another example of this. He's a smart guy, and I'm sure he's come up with a heck of a lot of ideas. But what if these major figures in present day what if they put their egos aside and they allow themselves to be influenced by the independents who have all these great ideas and they say okay we're gonna start like actually putting your ideas well that's sort of what reality tv is right now from this from the musical standpoint anyway yeah you mean like with the American Idol movement? American Idol, yeah, purely, absolutely. yeah. And so I guess what I'm saying is, this I mean, there's is more, one reason that you know Simon Cowell made so much money. I mean, he was that? already rich before he got there, but I mean, he made so much money off of American Idol. Oh, well, because anybody who the person who won that they promoted, you know, American Idol was an instant is getting hit. that money, right. and they're getting money off of all uh, off that artist. And unfortunately. 
not many of them had sustained like pop idol careers. Kelly Clarkson. I mean, she's still part of culture because she's got a TV show. I yeah. guess she still makes music. I don't know. I don't know. I'm but even the even pop. the most, unless you're like an American well, Idol was, super fan, well, you can't name like most much of the more. Winners. No. Well, and even like people who would be like second or third place was were also seeing success, right? Yeah. Um, mm. So, I mean, that was, that's sort of along those lines. I, I think like if you watch Shark Tank, right, you, you have these people that have taken their idea to a certain point and they're, they either can't get the money back behind them to take the next jump or um don't know how to take the next jump and then so you have the the venture capitalists the entrepreneurs that yeah, come in and angel, back them angel donations and and well a lot of times they don't they take over 40 percent of the company or 51 percent of the, they take over a percentage of the company yeah. when they when they buy in or whatever and so in a, in a way the rich continue to get richer off of the idea but it does pull someone up and uh, to you know to start their own business. I mean, hell, if I would start one business and sell it for a million dollars, that's probably all I would do is just start the. Well, I probably wouldn't do. I probably start a second one, see if I can sell it for two million. <clears throat> that gets a yawn from me. Does it? <laughs> yeah. Me starting a business? No, uh, the second business. No, I would love if you started a business. Mm. Um, the model that you're just in, I could tell like, <laughs> well, I can tell you right now, like with my current knowledge, I could probably walk in. I probably know the right people to get financed. Yeah. If I really worked at it, and I could probably walk Some in and start buying, a, start buying a hotel. a hotel. I could buy rundown hotels, put a little money in them, turn them around and sell them and flip them in a year. And I guarantee you, I can make a profit. Something tells me that that's not unique enough for you. It's not uh well if I was doing that challenging if I was doing that, it would only be to get to it something else. Yeah. That would be the that starter you're point. keeping that you're keeping your to yeah. yourself. Yeah. Exactly. But I may buy a hotel or two or <clears> three. That'd be nice. Yeah, I mean I could pull out the Monopoly board and we can play and you can buy hotels that way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Monopoly make it there. Monopoly's a fun game, but it teaches us all the wrong things. About money. It's not cooperative. It teaches us about taxes. No, it teaches us... No, life is not cooperative. That's what Monopoly teaches us. Is that four people start the game of Monopoly, and the more you go around the board, one person starts getting all the money from all the other people, pushes them out of the game, and then that's how you determine a winner. That's why it's been... It's teaching you about competition, and what's the... um... No. Because Monopoly is not a... What's the law that we enjoy so much? Uh-huh. Um, uh, Price's Law? That's Price's Law. No. Yes, because Price's is. Law is not luck-based. Monopoly involves dice and running around a board. And it's... Monopoly is the most luck-driven game I know. Oh, it's up there with Yahtzee. I guess Yahtzee's pretty... No, Yahtzee requires more strategy than uh, Monopoly. Because when you roll five dice, you no, have combination... Yeah, you have combination thinking. Monopoly no, tells you where you're going. Based on your dice roll. You can't do anything else. You can't even... When you pick up a chance card, there's no chance involved. The next card on top is the one you're getting. You, <laughs> you don't shuffle the cards or anything like that. The next card is the one you get. And if... Is Monopoly meant to show us how rigged... Um, or how... Not rigged, but how... Um, 
mundane, how routine it is. Yeah, I think it is. It's the same thing. You go around the same board, you get you 200 bucks. That's basically like a tax return. No, that's like, um, it's like universal income, sir. Mm, I guess modern day, but they didn't have UBI in mind in 1952 when Monopoly came out. So it was like your tax income because I think tax incomes were around 200 bucks in the forties and fifties. I don't know. Yeah. You weren't getting a $200 rebate. A return? Yeah. I'm you don't sure. think so? No. On your $2,000 salary? <laughs> Whatever we were making. Thing is, you don't even have to own property to get the 200 bucks. I know. You could and just run around. Oh, that's true. So what increase. is pass and go then? If you don't have to buy anything, and you could just roll the dice so and I'm get all the money. But what's the equivalent to that in life? Because I want to do that. Yeah, I just want to pass go. <laughs> I just go. want to roll high numbers and pass, pass go. go. Yep. Uh, get my 200 bucks. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> really, what is that? Welfare? In a way, I guess it could be, but I, I would consider it more like UBI versus mm. Uh, welfare, because whether, like I said, whether you're the rich guy or the poor guy on the board, you're getting the 200 bucks. What were your favorite Monopoly properties to own? I always got into the uh, red properties. What yeah. were those? Um, uh, Indiana, Kentucky, Illinois. Yeah. Those are good ones. I always liked. Um, I always liked the green ones. They were always high paying for me, and I was a big railroad guy too. Yeah, and the railroads for me were only good if you could get all four, even three. Got you. Yeah. I think a hundred bucks. Maybe. Yeah. 100 bucks was a big deal in Monopoly. Yeah, I left the I left the railroads for the others to chase. Oh, that was too too uh Like I might buy them as them. as trading chips. See the utilities were trash to me. I didn't yeah. like the utilities at all. Um Yeah. I like the light blue ones too. Those were sneaky good sometimes. Yeah, you, they just didn't they weren't as hurtful. Um even if you have hotels and stuff on them, it's just what they weren't as impactful when people would land on them. It was a little disappointing. I mean, it's better than nothing, but Monopoly you know. was gentrified already. I would have liked to have seen a more uh, gentrified raw. Monopoly. No, I would have liked to have seen a more raw Monopoly, where it's like Chinatown, um, oh my God. inner city uh, suburbs, a little bit more raw because that's what they were trying to. Tell us with Monopoly anyway. <laughs> yeah. Fun game. Um, it's one of those, though, that when you play it all the way through a couple of times, you're like, yeah, don't you don't need to play it all the way through. You just you need to decide on when X person gets X amount of the it. most of the money just into the freaking game. Yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes it's like poker tournaments. They go way too. Have you been to a couple of those? Yeah, I played on in some online tournaments. That take sure. way too long. Oh my god! I was telling the story today. Actually, um, I had played. I don't know, probably an hour and a half, two hours. I was getting a little bored. And I was hungry, so I put my guy on auto fold or whatever. So <laughs> yeah. it would just fold every time. And then if Annie, I had Annie, it would just Annie up. And so I went and I made myself something to eat. I sat down, watched a TV show, got into the TV show. And the next thing I know, I'm like, holy crap, I'm, I'm in a poker tournament. I, that probably got zapped out, right? Blinded out. <clears throat> and I go back and I sit down at my computer and it's been like two hours later and I've moved up 50 tables. Mm. Uh, and that I was like, so you're telling me I could have just 
folded for three straight hours, half the people in the tournament are gone now. Mm-hmm. Now I can start playing poker. Yeah, but now your uh, differential between you and the yeah, chip my chip count. Much yeah, but it, it, it kind of, sort of. Yeah. I mean, when I like to when I like to play poker, I like to do the auto fold thing once I become the chip leader. That's when I tone it down. I shouldn't give my poker secrets away because I'm a really good poker player. But anyways, I like to establish aggress- aggressive sort of chip domination within like the first hour or two. And if I don't, very rarely, uh, I'll be out of the game because of like an aggressive move where I have the second or third best hand at the table. But most of the time it works out. And then I play hands off and I let everybody sort of knock each other out. And then well, it comes down to three-way poker, I'm pretty confident. Man, in, the, in the early rounds, well, of a large tournament anyway, there's too many idiots that call everything. Yeah, that too. And you just got to let it all. I, that's <coughs> why I kept going from table to table to table. Because like if there were 10 people at a table, once three or four were eliminated, they started can, you'd go to the next table and the next table and the next table. Yeah. It would start to consolidate down. It was just like, it was an amazing revelation. Like I could have just folded for four hours and then started playing. And that's kind of what I did. That is an amazing revelation because in the game of life, yeah, you can just fold for like half of it. No, I wouldn't say half of it. I would say let's, let's bring it years. Let's bring it down to a one year scale. You can fold for like the winter months and the, I gotcha. and the spring months and then summer you got to do, you got to, you got to be a little active, but the rest of the time, you, yeah, you can, I mean, I get asked, I get asked pretty frequently and I find it to be a strange question from people who see me infrequently, people who spend a very small amount of time with me. They say like, don't you ever stop? Um, thinking or processing stuff or or don't you ever not take don't things, you switch off bro don't you ever not take things seriously and i'm like yeah like 98 percent of the day pretty much you, th- you think when i'm by myself like walking yes, around you're contemplating the the ins and outs of the universe i i am of course but that to me is like easy at this point, <laughs> it's like a tertiary passive ability. <laughs> you play RPGs, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. You remember Dungeons and Dragons days. If you're building a skill tree for your uh, character or whatever the hell they call it in D&D, what's it called? Like traits, abilities. It depends on when you started to play. But you know sure what a passive ability is, right? Yes. In the world of RPG. Okay. Me contemplating the ins and outs of the universe is a passive ability. Okay. I don't have to sit and say, oh, now I'm in contemplate laws of the universe mode. Like some people do. It's really what you do the majority of your time that sort of becomes the fabric of who you are. And so when people approach me and they're like, don't you ever stop like with the serious thoughts and revelations and contemplations? I'm like, yeah, I didn't know that I did it so often. Is it foreign to you (laughs) because you don't do it ever? It's like, yeah. Anyways, it's, it's been revelatory for me because in turn I can observe the outside world and I can deduce very quickly uh, for better or worse, what people spend the majority of their time doing. Based on what they talk about. I sleep a lot. Well, I wish I slept a lot. I try to sleep a lot. You work a lot. I don't work a lot, really. 
Well, you dedicate a lot of man hours to... 40. Okay. Do you want me to start crunching how much of your time that is? Like, in a... In a okay, for you, you it's, extend it because you get, what, six hours of sleep a day? 30% of my week. No. It's 60% of your waking life. No. Okay. Well, let's break down a week. Let's break down a day. Just a day. Spend eight hours dedicated to work, right? Yes. Well, not dedicated is a loose <laughs> Loose. Yes. Eight hours dedicated to work. How many hours of sleep do you average? It's not very much. Six? Give you six? Sure. Okay. Uh, two hours eating? Oh, God, no. Hour eating? Less? No. God, man. Why would I spend an hour eating? Total? Like lunch, dinner? Because people take because it takes twenty minutes to eat a meal. I know not meals I eat. I don't know <laughs> what kind of meals you're eating. But, well, I, uh, I, it doesn't. It takes me three minutes. It might take me twenty minutes and three meals. What do you do with all your spare time? Different things. <laughs> I don't know. You should have. You should be a billionaire. <laughs> What are you doing with I these? I probably should be. What are you doing with all your spare time? At this point, you really have no excuse. Uh, if you have 10 hours of free time, which is being generous, I think you have more of like four to five hours of do whatever Morgan wants time a day. Yeah, what are you doing with that four hours? Shit, you're watching TV. Sometimes. Nah, all the time, apparently. I have been lately. Love the X-Files. You're not, you're not writing in your journal. You're not Love writing the- that book. Love the uh, uh, Quantum Leaps, man. It's a great show. That is a good show. I don't have any. Uh, no, no, I'm kidding. I have a lot of free time. I'm compiling data, sir. Ah, uh, see. I just haven't figured out a way to um, arrange it. Turn it into something productive. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm yeah. continuing to compile. That's a lifelong goal for so many folks out there is compiling the you got a leg up on a lot of these people. Your background is um computer science to a certain degree, isn't it? Um no, more hospitality industry. I mean I went What'd to you school go to for, for yeah, programming. So you should know how to how to apply data to programs that can um yeah but you have okay you you get the school but if you're not using it on a day-to-day basis but you're in control of that in a kind of sort of but not really no with I, all I never that free had, time like, you can't apply your data elsewhere. no you need a job that, <laughs> that uh where it can be used where you can use it in the job i mean yeah i what if I, mean, I told I, you? I enjoy my free time and yeah. i don't want to do something that feels like work and that would feel more like work what applying your data yeah really damn it does well compiling it feels like work oh compiling is a different story but you can stop compiling whenever you want no 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 i I want i don't want an incomplete data set i want to include it all it is you're you're 46 47 eight eight sorry back to year one Whatever. Yeah. It feels like it's been one long conversation, so the time dilation is is real. I, we're in year three. It feels like you just sat here for the Kaepernick population control talk. 
God, Kaepernick talk. Yep. And the shoddy mics that we had, or it was just one mic. We had a big echo. We had distortion, influence, all these things that we've just eroded at little by little. Now, on a weekly basis, when I sit here, Morgan, unintentionally, but quite effectively, you hear me, my point of view on whatever you want to talk about. Honestly, I don't have a meandering segue anymore. I don't have anything in mind that I want to discuss week to week. I send you a bunch of stuff, like articles here and there, that I'm like, I think this is cool. I think this is cool. Yeah, I appreciate it. But that's all in hindsight. That's all stuff that we've kind of talked about. Sometimes. Sometimes it's new, so. Yeah, and sometimes right then and there, you can discern what my perspective on it's going to be. Like when I send you narcissism and astronomy or go hand in hand, you already know. Astrology. Yeah, not astrology. <laughs> it's okay. Astro- I got your yeah, Sorry. Astrology. Yeah, don't screw yeah, that I, one up, AI. I can't tell you how close I was to buying you some some astrology thing for Christmas. Like you're, they have these things that do your birth date and then have all your stuff that happened on the day you were born. Repulsive. Oh, it would have been so great, but I I decided not to. Oh God, my skin, sorry, my skin is crawling just thinking about that. I would have made you hang it on your wall. Ugh, my. I, I think uh, I think there are people in your life that would have giggled. Oh, of course. Because uh, there's I people in my life that, that value astrology pretty high up there. And now, guess hey, what? Listen, they I have scientific merit to say they may be doing it because they're narcissists. Is that, is that a bad, is that not a negative, is that a negative thing? It is. Yeah, okay. You know when it is? It's not a negative so thing. So positivity is negative. Okay. No, no, no. Right. No, you, you know when narcissism is a negative? When it's projected on you and you're not a narcissist but you have to wear that oh, label oh man I, are you not no i'm not a narcissist okay. you're hearing that here on episode 83 year three the truth in every word excessive Meandering. interest in or admiration of oneself yeah yeah it sounds like you no okay no because it has negative connotation according to that definition I- if if there is because what okay so where's the where's the thin line between confidence and narcissism I, and, and it's a thin line between that and arrogance too yeah exactly I, I agree with you they're all like interchangeable but i'm only ever arrogant and it, it only comes off as arrogance if i'm confident in something that i'm doing <clears throat> and that's just one that term for it like psychology has a different sort of term for it see i always thought a narcissist they call it a need for admiration i don't necessarily you think you need it see um, i always thought a narcissist was someone who was arrogant without having merit via confidence i thought i thought a, a narcissist was someone who skipped over confidence and went straight to arrogance i think part of it is attention seeking in, in a way because there's a personality disorder for narcissism right Narcissistic well, personality it, disorder. Yeah. Yeah, here it is. Symptoms include an excessive need for admiration, disregard for others' feelings. There you I go. I don't know, inflated sense of self-importance. Oh, you might you might qualify. <laughs> as, as compared to everyone else who doesn't seem to to hold themselves in high esteem. That's the point. I'm not I 
This is well, it's found more commonly in men. That's interesting. You're right. Because this entire survey of narcissism but and astrology, astrology was all women. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say, astrology is not men. But the entire study, the entire research was all women itself. And yeah, it's, you know, year three, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. We're going to start bringing, <laughs> bringing some women on here. That I'm going to start asking tough questions too. Because I think women are allowed to be much more vain and narcissistic than than men. I think if men go all the way with like even confidence. Remember when we had that talk about intimidation um, when it comes to men versus women? And you said like a woman who's confident in herself can be intimidating. Yeah. A man who's confident in himself can alienate you from everyone who's not who doesn't see it as like oh this is just who he is it's it's not because he's trying well, to be the, superior the, it's because he's no, just I, confident no i don't know the guys necessarily um admire other guys confidence or what yeah huh Oh, okay. If if I go to the racetrack with you and you start like just going rain man with it, that's admirable confidence. That's if I, yes, but if I take you, but Mike, but if, if I take you that, on a business really, excursion, but if I was standing there telling you how great I am because of this choice I just made or that choice I just made, mm-hmm. you're not going to be admiring me at that point. That's be, you're going to be in, and maybe, you know why I'd give you the opportunity because you would have to prove to me. Well, to, you know me enough to know that I'm probably bullshitting anyway with that trash talk. And I'm trying to shake your confidence versus, oh, yeah. um, uh, build my confidence. Of course, up. that's how you. It, it, but I think m- that's kind of conversation. Well, I think that's the way a lot of guys do it. I think they they try to knock the other guy's confidence out. <laughs> well, that's not that's not genuine. Oh, it's absolutely Jim. It's competition. It's what we do. I I get that, but competition doesn't work like that for me. Competition, you should try and you shouldn't be trying to knock me down. You should be trying to one up me. That's that's how I view competition. When we go disc golfing, you're not trying to like injure me. And so I can't throw, you're trying to get a better, you're trying to make a better shot. You're not trying to influence trash talk you and get into your head and play it in mind game as well. That doesn't work on me. It it does sometimes. No. Yeah, it does. I'm not a mind game guy. I can get to you. No, no, you can't. Your cynicism doesn't even get to me because I have, Proof that it's not a hundred percent genuine. That's the point. Well, I'll edit that part out because I don't want people to know. Well, yeah, it's year three. That sometimes you have to play bad cop. You know that because I'm good cop. I have a hard time playing bad cop. I can play bad cop on certain topics, but it's weird. I can only be a bad cop on a topic of which. I'm being genuinely a bad cop with it. What about people who, when they succeed, when they earn an award, like uh, for me, the latest Heisman Trophy winner uh, comes to this, the, the quarterback, I, I believe, at Alabama. 
And he's like, for all those people that said I was too short and I couldn't make it and blah, blah, blah. And this is what motivated me. Yet this kid, since he was a freshman in high school, has been a top 100 player in the United States mm-hmm. as a freshman. He just and then he have... goes to Alabama. Yeah. Well, we're and on then, the Elon Musk talk now. And then he's, yes, but Elon Musk doesn't tell you that he's doing this for all the people. Like he's some sort of underdog. He's That's not true. sitting there telling you, you know, this is what motivated me. It's this sort of false underdogness that drives me just a little bit crazy. It's like, um, it's not genuine to me. Okay. It, Michael Jordan does this a little bit too with his, uh, like his need for competition or to hate his enemy so much as to make stories up to himself about once somebody said to him to motivate him to beat them. Oh yeah. Like with Byron Russell, for example. <clears throat> right. That mm-hmm. drives me a little bit crazy that that exists. That's gotta be a form of n- narcissism. Maybe narcissism. Yeah. Is it? I, oh, mean, I would say so. Yeah, if Elon Musk came to us and told us about all the things he had to overcome to start SpaceX, everybody's going, that's bullshit. You had every opportunity known to man. You were ahead of everyone in in this. You had a leg up on everyone, and now you're trying to tell us that you didn't, that you were some sort of underdog? A lot of people, it's so weird. It depends on your definition of what success is as well. And that's where I start playing bad cop, strangely, because the societal interpretation of what success looks, sounds, and just is, the definition of what the masses have deemed success, it falls back into that bracket of, again, and this is where I've, I've changed in the last two or three years a little bit through these conversations and through a more just a more central perspective on this. I don't, I don't look at the masses as like this group that's holding back um, me as an individual anymore. I used to, I used to feel as if the stack was against me as far as like the mountain that I had to climb in order to get over it for success on their terms like i thought my options were either assimilation or defiance but it turns out that it's like being ignorant to that whole mentality is the success that i wanted the whole time my definition of success is being able to sustain and do something on your own by your own by yourself without without formal assistance and it's interesting that i say formal assistance because right now like everything i've ever wanted to do in my life other than this show which is unique i've been able to say i kind of can just do it on my own now obviously i financially i have to have income to be able to live in this modern world and put a roof over my head and my daughters, of course. So I know that I need help from society when it comes to supplying that revenue. I know that I have to supply them a service, but I don't need to 
know who these people are, and they don't need to know who I am in order for that exchange to occur. So, like the anonymous exchange of services has been a real sweet spot for me. I always wanted to do this with music. Sounds like you're a pimp. No. The anonymous exchange of services. <laughs> the anonymous exchange of services. I always wanted to do this with music. I wanted to be like the masked singer, essentially. I didn't want a social media profile. I didn't want promotion. Yeah, that's where you goofed up, not making YouTube videos. Yeah, I didn't want YouTube videos. I didn't want the glitz and the glam aspect. I just wanted to make music and for it to be uh, appreciated, enjoyed, and I thought that that was enough to merit the return for um, the efforts and the time put into the art. But it turns out with music and with the arts, a little bit more has to be done in order for you to get the compensation for it. Like there are some artists, there's very few though who can create music, put it on Spotify, and not have that be like their day-in, day-out persona and still make money off of it. I can't think of many people. It's back to that, um, that LeBron James conversation. Like LeBron James has dedicated his life to basketball. Le- LeBron James could love reading. Um, he could be the greatest philosopher the world has ever known. We would never know it. But somewhere along the line, he realized that I can't make much money off of my philosophical ideas. Now, I'm very talented at basketball, so I'll make money doing this. And then he turns that money and he funds his, arguably, his real passions. Maybe maybe his real passion is sitting in a barbershop and having conversations with his friends. Because now he's got a show on HBO and he makes money and he could probably retire from basketball tomorrow if he didn't love love it and just live off that show whereas some celebrities have to you know do voiceovers for mcdonald's or uh, taco bell to sustain their careers <laughs> right um like poor brian cox man i like brian cox the um, actor from succession the older guy um but he does voiceovers for mcdonald's now and i'm like man he must be like either struggling or he's happy good money it. is good money sir that's not good money but Oh, I bet it is. Oh, yeah. So, I anyway, I don't want to be long-winded anymore. <laughs> Too late. New Year's resolution, and I've already failed on the first episode of the new year. I'll try for the second episode of the new year. New Year's resolution. Yeah, I believe in those. I know you do. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm being facetious. Mm. I don't know. I don't remember any of my previous year's New Year's resolutions. <clears throat> I don't either because I don't usually do any. You may go something. Maybe I'll be in better shape this year. <laughs> I compete with myself every day. I don't know if that's healthy, but every day I wake up and I'm like, in one way, shape, or form, you should be improved from where you were yesterday. It's not always true. Mm, it has to be. No, it doesn't. Yeah, you get you, sick. You so you didn't. You're not better yes today than you were yesterday. If you're sick physically, 
But that means you could read a book and you could learn something. No, not necessarily. Huh? You have a killer headache. You're taking medication that knocks you out. You're then guess what? Anything. Then you're getting more rest than you got no. the day before. Yeah, but it's not the kind of rest. Look, look, you, you have this built-in negative. You, you have, have this, this built-in positive. I'm here to offset you. But but at the end of the day, I can I can offset you more with the positivity. <laughs> You're going to offset me more. Yeah, let's have an offset contest of positive versus negative. <laughs> let's start. Let's rewind the tape. Okay. Every day, Morgan, let's rewind this conversation and let's press play and do it again. Every day I wake up and I'm like, man, in some way, shape, or form, you're going to have to improve upon what you got done yesterday. Is that not true? No, it's not true. In what way? I can't improve on today. Yes, you can. In one facet or another. Absolutely. Nah. Well, you don't know that because you haven't made it to tomorrow yet. But when I, you get I to do to- know that tomorrow will not be as good as today. I was. know because Wednesday's meandering and then you don't talk to Sasha for another six days. I get it. But anyways, um, <laughs> remove me from the picture. And in Morgan's isolated life outside of meandering on Wednesdays, yeah, you'd better do something that improves upon what Morgan did today. Why? Well, my argument is that you're going to do it with or without your approval. You could sit at home and say, I ain't going to do nothing. And that's an improvement. How is that an improvement? Because the state of idle thinking and boredom has been proven to create more thoughts, more creative thoughts. This is just falsification of positivity but that's okay if you stay at home and say i ain't doing shit today i'm not going to work how is that not an improvement it's not it is you're giving yourself time to relax outside of your work routine of which i but that happens on saturday and sunday yeah so how is saturday better uh, because you have routines on saturday and sunday anyways sunday's not as good as saturday i know because saturday is your actual freedom day yeah so there you go. I didn't improve upon my freedom day but, the next day. But that's what a, a Wednesday that you woke up and said, I ain't going to do shit today, is a freedom day that you're not used to. It's a break in your routine, sir. You know it. No. I win. Ding, ding. Positive offset one. Negative offset zero. Round two begins now. So do you see what I'm saying more here? No, I don't. Okay. If you wake up tomorrow and say, I am not going to work. That's an improvement. It's not because you're not going to work. It's not necessarily an improvement. It is because the variability of the po- of the positive difference between yesterday and today with you not going to work is much greater than the routine probability. Your outcome is more determinable by you following a pattern and a routine, whereas it is much likely to go in. Uh, I don't have a pattern or routine. Yes, you do. No, I don't. But not you, a, not any different from anyone else. Not not any different from you. You have a baseline pattern and a routine. Yes, it's mean? up to you to find the variability within it. That's to say, when I wake up and I say, where am I going to go today? If I say, I don't care where I go. I'm open for wherever. Versus, I want to go to North Texas. Versus, I want to go to Sherman Dennison. You see, all of those, like, my but, approach to it. But my job's the same it. way. What do I want to work on today? Do I want to work on this? Or do I want to work on this? Or do I want to work on this? It's the same thing. But are you the person creating your own variability? Yes. No. 
Yes, I am. It's other people that are creating the They don't tell me what you. to work on. I am in charge of what I work on. I know, but the options that you have are determined just by the software, but not by some individual. There is not one individual telling me I have to do this no, or that that's great. or this. That's great. You have more flexibility than 95% of people out there because you're in a management role or you're in a higher esteemed role. Exactly. But even then, you don't have the the final say in what you dedicate your work time to. Yes, I do. Yes, but... Damn it. See, now I'm trying to play bad cop. And you're a good cop. You're the positive... You're the positive guy here. I have every bit of say. Now, I could choose the wrong thing and I might lose my job, but I have every bit of say. I guess so. It's just the variability within that is only defined by the the software right. I work with. That's, so it's limited to a certain degree. But the software I work with is vast and goes a million different ways. Oh, yes. And you can apply your perspective of it, and then it goes in expounded directions. I get it. I get it. I don't... I don't. If I was answering phones every day and just dealing with customer issues every day, yes. you're right. I have this routine, and I don't have a choice, and this is what I do. So taking a day off, is a break uh, is in a routine. break in routine. It's not so much for my in my current position. In right. fact, I would tell you that. Well, I enjoy break breaks from routine, but I, I don't know that taking a day off is necessarily better than working. Oh, in every case, not in every case, right? I mean, I just had some time off not too long ago, and. Gonna, I mean, I'm about to work like three day work weeks for the next two weeks. <laughs> Do you think that um, final uh, segment here for this, because it's an interesting one to segue from this last conversation? Do you think that uh, people know how what to do with their retirement and that they don't just fall into a new routine? I'm someone who believes that once you, if you get rid of a routine and you're not careful, another one comes right along very quickly to try to. Well, replace it. I don't know that the routine comes along. You seek it out. You have to have something that occupies you. Well, yeah, but that can be variable. Sure. You can have a different day, 365 days of the year. Sure. And you don't necessarily have to seek that out. Yes, you do. No. Yes, you do. No, because there's so much variability out there. There's not. There's not 365 different days for you if you sit and don't seek. But every single engagement with an open world is a variable. So it's kind of like if I wake up tomorrow and I go down one road a new road that I have not driven down. That's a variable already from the previous day. I'm soaking in an environment that I've never seen. What if you live in a small town and there's only one road? Yes, that's fine. Then you still have to get out. But my point is you had to seek the road out. It didn't just fall in your lap naturally. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you can't sit there and do three, a different thing every day without consciously thinking about doing a different thing every day. 
And retirement for you and I, I think, or for me anyway, is going to be way different, I think, from other oh, people wow. and probably for yourself too. Technically, I think I'm like retired I, on paper. But you're not. I'm, if what you're calling is retirement, then people who own businesses but just don't work in them every day are retired. You can't just take a month and go to Arizona and enjoy the desert and not do anything but enjoy the desert. You can't do that. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know many people who would enjoy the desert. Well, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of people from Canada go there in oh. January and December and January. I think those snowbirds enjoy uh, Scottsdale and the, and the like. Now we're just getting rude with the snow, snowbirds. Yeah. All right. I think retirement's going to look like what you're doing now. Retirement to me. You will have a business or an interest that you are still in, but it doesn't necessarily occupy all your time. Yeah. I think it becomes something to where like by age 40 to 45, moving forward in time, people are sustain economic contribution, but they're able to do something that they're naturally sort of invigorated to do versus well, some people aren't naturally invigorated to do shit but that's based on the precursors that led up to that sort of but they're not going to have some revelation or no that renaissance takes place over generations yeah absolutely renaissance that changes that it takes place over one generation guess what well, guess why i have a five-year-old daughter she's not going to come home from school regardless of uh, i don't want to seem like I don't want to be that dad. She's not going to come home from school and say what they're teaching me in school about what I should do with my life is what I want to do, dad. School doesn't teach you about what you want to do in life. No, but it's that zero to 18 phase that is meant to usher you into 18 to 65 phase of where you have an idea of what contributing to society looks like you have the guts you have the you have the nuts and bolts of what you're supposed to do to contribute and and do something worth of meaningfulness in your life and that, that may not be her generation that is definitely your generation that seeks meaning in what you do like you can't just have a job. You've got to have a job that has some sort of meaning. With yeah, it. one third of your life has to has to mean something. <clears throat> For me, I don't have that need, and your daughter may not need to have that need either. So to impose that need on her seems I don't think mean. It, but I don't think it's imposing. I think it's oh sure it is. But I think just it's a natural gravitation. You too. think it's natural, but she may not think it's natural, and then you have a conflict, and then what do you do? But why wouldn't she think it's natural? Because it's just not what she thinks. It's not what she grew up around. It's not what she. But but it is what she grew up around. Maybe kind of. If sorta, I'm her influence, maybe. And we got done. We've yes, always talked about how only... parents are their influence. Or influence, right? I'm not the only influence. She has a mother. She has uh, school teachers. She has friends and family. Right. But if if I'm the dominating influence naturally, without trying, if I don't, if I if I don't utter a word of this to my daughter well, ever. You... If I don't, if I don't do this verbally in her teen years, and I don't say, "Hey, your dad was able to build," you won't his own. be able to help yourself. But, but if ahead. I do, if I do, and she just <laughs> absorbs based on experience, and she does her own due diligence to research, 
Why is dad so happy all the time? What what did he do that has rendered yeah, him? She will never have those questions, but go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I'd be willing to slap a hundred on it right now. Okay. If she's able to discern like her environment and say, Hey, dad's dad's doing something that the rest of people, I don't really see that in them. I'm more interested in what he did. And she taps into my trajectory of life and what I've done. And she just lets it naturally influence her. So what, where, what's the alternative? People look around and they're like, what's everybody else doing? Oh, everybody else is in their car, clogging up the roads. Everybody's going to fast. Oh, look at that big long line of Jollibees. I better get in the back of it. That's it. That's what influences us. We see people in on mass doing things and we do it. It's like when I wear my mask. Yeah. Every once in a while, I see it's almost unconscious. I'm like, should I take it off? Nobody around me is wearing a mask. Am I safe? Should I take it off because they're not wearing masks? I don't know. I could be right next to some guy with, not, not you, but <laughs> you have a sinus, um, sinus thing, sinus infection, right? Had. Had. Past tense. I went to a movie today. Nobody's wearing a mask. That doesn't change. But again, the unconscious like social influence, it is real. But once you see that it's real, it's so easy to say. Your perception of it and the way you think about it is unique. It's not universal. It can be passed down to my daughter genetically. I don't know. So could 40 hours a week at, at ABC Corporation and she loves it. Yeah, because she's got a mom too. This is the fight that I'm fighting now. That shouldn't even be a fight. If it makes her happy, it should be whatever makes her happy. Oh, yeah. If she decides her way through life is finding a man as soon as possible that will take care of her and getting married and having a bunch of kids, you won't have any say in that, I hate to tell you. That would be unique, and I would have to accept it as a uniqueness because nobody in my family or her mom's family has taken that road. So I'd be like, hey, this is uniquely you. I'm all for it. It's interesting. I wouldn't be like gung ho about it. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to stop her, like you said. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to. But she'll listen to episode eighty three and she'll be like, Well, cross that one off the God, list. I hope she never listens to this. Why? Why? This isn't like dad with a drinking bleach on social media eating a tide pod. This is dad. With a multi-billion-dollar yeah, like, podcast I know from you a don't yacht. Believe, I don't know. I know you don't believe this, but ten years from now, things that we're saying today may not be correct or the way that people think ten years from now. And so, as a teenager going through high school, if some of her friends found her dad's podcast and found crap that you said, it could create a big, could create an issue. I'm speaking from my heart with every single. That that doesn't mean it won't create an issue. And you just, you just said, this may not be the way that people think. <laughs> this may, I, I mean, we could be talking about a subject. <laughs> I, if this is the way people think in 10 years, or if it's not, I'm right either way. Because <laughs> either they're so far behind to AI the point where. come get you and put you in. AI's on my side. We've been put over you in this. a straight jacket. We've been over this several Take times. Take you to a pack. AI's right? on my No, it wouldn't be that. It'd be the men in black who <laughs> like, hey, you're coming with us. And we think controls AI. And we're neuralizing you. Oh, the men in black? No, it's the other way around. 
Uh, anyways, divulging too many secrets on episode 83, year three, the beginning. <laughs> we have all these the beginning. all these monikers. Um, no, I, I get what you're saying. If I'm if I'm in year one Sasha mentality and I'm saying these things, then I'm I well, wouldn't be, though. I wouldn't be two years ago saying these sorts of there are things from year one that I'm like, yeah, I kind of don't want to hearing this because I was kind of just shooting theories out about stuff because the first year of our podcast, I had not approached long form conversation in this way. So some of the topics that we were discussing were really only topics that I've had the ability to talk to myself. I don't think we've, well, I don't know that we've necessarily crossed any paths, but you never know how things go. Right. But, but now we're much more in formula mode to the point where some of these topics they could just make fun of the, how you over explain it. <laughs> yeah. They could just make fun of over explaining. Why they? didn't, uh, this is just especially, one long winded way of saying the same thing. Especially if she has that sort of trait too, where she feels like she needs to explain herself before she stays. No, I think she'll, okay. I don't want to jinx myself here. I think she's going, that's going to be one of the things she wants to defy. Um, like children, there are certain aspects of their oh, yeah. parental upbringing that anything. they're defiant to. Yeah. And I hope that's one of them is they're like, God, my dad is so long winded. I mean, he could have said things so much simpler, but then again, if I did that, we'd have what one episode of meandering <laughs> 10 minutes. Ev- <laughs> it'd be a 10 minute episode. And you never well, would have had to come you back. You never know because you, you but, just talk all the time. <laughs> expanding i'm just aligning with the universe it's not the universe is leading the way here i'm just following along it is setting my course i'm essentially expanding that's it i'm expanding my discussion point as my mind expands you know what so my album won't be out yet in 2022 it is coming out in 2022 but it won't be out by the time of this uh, release but i've been listening to it <laughs> and it used to be get your narcissist checklist yeah out here get the narcissist checklist out and closing here it used to be that when i wrote a song it was straightforward and the um, um <clears throat> oh yeah, no 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 I, let, I me, let, me, l- let me let me explain okay oh let me explain my song first <laughs> from my perspective okay please allow me that opportunity when i wrote the song i would have like a raw sort of streamlined version of what i wanted to get across but then when i recorded it i'm like ooh, if i change the tone here a little bit oh, okay double entendres start kicking in here oh i see how this could be interpreted differently oh okay that was like year one, 2006. Now we're in 2021. <laughs> I'm writing stuff and I'm rereading it. I'm like, this could be, imagine if I'm uh, this person with this perspective on this, listening to the, oh, I see. And all of it is inconsequential, but I can sort of place myself in the audience's shoes with varying perspectives and see how it's pretty cool. Long, long-winded way of saying it's pretty cool. It's multi-dimensional at this point, and it's pretty cool. It's expanding like the universe. Yes, is that the name of the new album? Expanding. No. Do you want? You know, 
M83, it's my birth year episode. In closing, let me go ahead and reveal the name of the album. It's called Ahead of Myself. Mm, okay. <laughs> because there's the moniker that people have told me all my life, or the, uh, and it's not a moniker, idiom. Don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah. Uh, don't get too far ahead of yourself. So I would like, I'm interested in getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm interested in the expansion contraction being simultaneous. That's what I'm interested in. That's when we could talk about Sasha's universal universal theories a little bit more rather than this layman scientific stuff about, yeah, I got to play ball and say the universe is expanding. Yeah, I got to play ball and say, yeah, eventually it contract. Okay. I'm talking about simultaneous like expansion contraction, similar to, oh, I don't know, the human heart and the way that thing works. Anyways. Episode 84, year three, just the beginning. 83 or 84? This is 83. Okay. I think year you said 84. I did say. Year three, 83. A new beginning. A new beginning. All right, man. Later. Glad you had a good holiday season. Yeah, you too.